ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. After a week where we had technical difficulties, we are finally back, boys. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my two amazing co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. It's uh, pre-vaccine day for me, so it's uh, a very good day for me. So. Look at that, pre-vaccine day, which means tomorrow he's going to be tired. Oh, wait, he's usually tired. Never mind. <laughs> And Irfan, how are you doing? I know you're home, so how's that? I'm good. Um, came up, got my vaccine uh, appointment next week, so get that done, get it out of the way. Um, we're home for two weeks, then I'll be back in Ottawa. We're home. There you go. Back in Ottawa. Why would you go back? Because <laughs> I see this room. I'm in my parents' room, so I, I feel bad taking over this space. Ah, okay, fine. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> Well, boys, we got a lot to talk about. NHL playoffs start. I want to get into Champions League as well. So let's get right to our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni. And after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. And today we are joined by a very special guest, a ASJ Soyo defender and more importantly, the brand new co-host of Touchline Thoughts, Paige Culver. How are you doing today, Paige? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here today. Hey, we're excited to have you, and thank you for asking. You notice the other two did not ask how I was doing. <laughs> we asked you off air. No, no we just don't care. No, Kyle doesn't. <laughs> he asked no. me off air. He just is like, ah, it's fine. It's Nick. Well, Paige, welcome to the family of the Garage Door Sports Network. We really appreciate you joining our fun. It's going to be awesome having you two together, and obviously you've had a pretty interesting career in and of itself in soccer uh, i want to touch on a little bit of that before we get into champions league and europa league tell us kind of how you got ended up in france from being a player <laughs> who grew up in oakville yeah for sure um yeah i started playing in oakville um fun fact nick and my brother used to play soccer together um he's been on the show a couple times i guess but yeah so i grew up playing in oakville played in oakville till i was 16 17 and then i went and during that time, I was involved in the provincial program, which is like the pre-Canada national team program, um, which was really cool. Experienced a lot. I got to play in Spain, which was kind of interesting when you're, you know, 15, 16 years old. Um, after that, I went and played uh, in the NCAA at Kent State University. It's a division one program. We were pretty successful there, too. We won the conference and we got to play in the NCAA tournament, which is huge. So that was a 
super cool experience. Um, after that, I decided that soccer is all that I'm good at. So I'm going to continue to do that. Um, so I found an agent. I went and played in Syria in Italy. I played for a team called Pink Bari. I played there for one season. And then for this season, I signed in France. And that's where I am now playing first division in France. So what was the experience like at Kent State? I want to start there because obviously that's it's a little <laughs> bit closer to home and most people know where right. Kent State is. Um, you go down there as a freshman. What was that experience like? Were you kind of like welcomed into the team or did you really have to earn that one? Um, it's a little bit of both. So if people don't know, Kent State is in Ohio, um, uh, kind of in the middle of Ohio near like Cleveland. We're just outside of Cleveland. Um, yeah, I think as a Canadian coming into the American leagues, you kind of have to prove yourself to begin with. So normally they don't take Canadians unless they're on a full ride. Then you come in and the girls know that you're on a full ride. So you really have to, to step up and prove yourself. Um, I was also, the coach is Canadian, so that was easier for the transition. He's from Mississauga, um, like Port Credit. And so he kind of understood the transition from being a Canadian coming into the American schools. The education system is quite different. Um, the mentality is quite different. So I had a great experience there. I spent all four years there. I would go back in a heartbeat. I still talk with my coaches all the time. So uh, for me, it was a good experience. Awesome. Uh, Kyle, do you want to ask something? Yeah. What was the transition like going from obviously basically North America to Europe? Like what was the difference and, and is there any difference in how they prepare or anything like that? Yeah, it's actually quite different. So I'm sure you've seen it like in the U S they kind of just pump out athletes. Like they train athletes, whereas in Europe, they're more focused on football specific. So when I was in Italy, the, the strength coach actually told us that we're not going to get better unless we're on the field. So they don't necessarily believe so much in the, you know, strength and, and weight training and those kind of things. Um, I've noticed it in France as well, that I think it's more of a European mindset. Like it's, it's their whole world here. Right. Whereas in the U S I think they're more focused on building these athletes being the best athlete you can be versus the best soccer player you can be. If that makes sense. Yeah. hundred percent. Or if one, you want to jump in. No, I already asked you these questions. <laughs> okay, we fine. Chatted. Fine. Um, this year you've been playing in France, obviously. Um, you get to see some of the best teams continuously. How has that been uh, a transition for you going from North America, where the women's game is still growing, to Europe, where obviously it's still growing, but it's more established? Right. So, yeah, I mean, this this season we get to play like Lyon, PSG, which are the two major um, teams in my league. And it's really cool because there's Canadian players on these teams as well. So you can see the progression through the Canadian national teams and how these players are kind of establishing themselves in Europe. Um, it's unfortunate that in Canada, we don't have a professional league. So Canadian players are forced to go to the U.S. or Europe. And it's difficult because um, it's easier for teams to take European players because they cost less. Um, they don't have to worry about visas, things like that. So you have to really try to establish establish yourself as a Canadian player. So it's really cool to see that on, you know, big teams like PSG and Lyon. And for me, that's a great experience seeing those national team players, getting to play against those national team players, seeing how fast they play, how the pace is so much different. So 
I don't know. I'm, I love it. I love playing the big teams. It's such, you know, before when we could have fans, they get a ton of fans at their games, even now with, um, with COVID. So our stadium, there's kind of a fence around the stadium. And when we were playing Lyon, there was a ton of fans standing around the fence with flags. And so that was quite, quite an interesting experience. Nice. Is there a game that stands out to you in your memory that you played maybe the Lyon game or something else that you've played in that just immediately comes to mind? Well, yeah. So the whole first half of the season, I couldn't play. I had visa problems. So the first game I could play was Lyon. So welcome to the French league. Welcome to your Good luck. First, yeah. First pro great pro game in France is the best team at the time in the world. They had just won the champions league. So at the time that the, you know, world-class, right. So that was for me, a really cool experience. Like it was a big welcome <laughs> to for France. Sure. For sure. We'll just throw you into the dog's pit there and just be like, have fun. See ya. Really? They're like, good luck. Five-time defending champ, by the way, too. Mm. Uh, Yeah, five-time Champions League. Yeah, Yeah, Champions League champs. It's fine. (laughs) Nothing. What are you talking about? No, not a big deal. Uh, Kyle, did you have anything else you wanted to ask Paige before we jump into some Champs League? Um. Well, honestly, I was going to ask, uh, like, what, what was it like with uh, with this year and everything that's going on with the fans and stuff like that? But you kind of already answered that with with some of the teams that they didn't have maybe supporters in the stadium, but at least around the stadium they had supporters. So it was kind of like what, right. what, what the difference was is really what I was going to ask. But. Well, I mean, I think you can see it when you're watching, like, Premier League and things like that. The, the momentum of the game doesn't shift as much because I think the fans bring or create momentum. And you see it in our games too. Last game, um, we we worked with um, the, we have a military base in the city that I live in. So the wounded soldiers, we had kind of worked with them all week. So they were uh, invited to come into the, the stadium and watch the game. We had to do COVID testing and all of that. Yeah. Um, and just to have like 20 people in there cheering made such a difference in the momentum of the game. It was really interesting. And I think you miss it. When it's gone, you miss it. So I'm super excited, even, you know, you're watching Premier League or Bundesliga or something like that, to have those fans starting to come back in. I think it makes a huge difference. And that was a big, you guys got a big win in that game. Uh, Yeah. So that's Yeah, we won 1-0. Yeah. Yeah. And brought yourself out of of relegation. Relegation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. For us, that was a, a super important win. And I think it helped having the fans there just to create positive energy in the stadium I, I mean even 20 people it makes a big difference so having five people if they're loud enough would make yeah. a big difference you get the right. right five people you're you're set to go you got two games left are you guys ready to round out the season and hopefully stay out of that relegation spot i know you're four points clear right now but uh how is how's the team mentality going into the last two games Yeah, I mean, it's super important to take points anywhere that you can get them, regardless if you're six points clear, if you're four points clear, because you never know who's going to catch you, right? So um, for us, we're going, our next game is next Friday. So we've been training all of this week and we'll train all next week going into that game. And our focus is just one game at a time. Focus on getting, you know, minimum one, hopefully three points out of both of these teams because the very last game we played the very last place team so yeah. but we also can't go into that thinking we're going to win just because they're last place so yeah, no, it's sure. right i mean you've seen the upsets before so <laughs> many times many many times right <laughs> well uh let's let's transition now let's go to champs league and obviously champions league final i'm gonna leave this up to Irfan because he's our soccer guy anyway but uh, you guys already talked about it 
control the conversation, Irfan. What are we going to see from this? We're going to see two English sides face off against each other. So I think that's that's huge for English soccer. I know uh, last time that happened, that was 2018, and we were we actually saw a very boring final, to be honest with you. I mean, it was a the first minute goal or something like that for Liverpool, and that was about it. And the rest of the game was well, I'm not giving you chances, and and that was basically it. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that it's more of a free-flowing game, especially when you have a Pep Guardiola side playing. Um, they like the ball at their feet. And then you have Chelsea, who's become a better defensive team, um, more all-around team under Thomas Tuchel. So I think it's going to be a very good matchup. And, and fun fact is Chelsea's beaten Pep twice this season already, once in the FA Cup and once in the league in the last couple of weeks. So um, they have the momentum um, and they're, they just look much better. So two English sides, Great competition. Um, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, Paige, do you want to add on to that? <laughs> no, I was going to say, if you guys saw the City game yesterday, throwing in their uh, goalkeeper who hasn't started in 10 like years. thousand days or something. Yeah, <laughs> hasn't, played a, hasn't played a game, a Premier League game in, in 10 years. But, I mean, they got the win in that game. But, you no, know, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, like you said, the last time two Premier League teams played it was quite boring so i'm hoping for an interesting game i will say i'm way more excited for the women's game the women's mm-hmm. final but that's we'll get, that. we will get to that don't worry i promise we, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> we start with the men's we move to the women's no uh-huh. just in general i'm excited for both so we'll see yeah and kyle your team your boys going into the final are you gonna have the same overreaction you had for the semi or as long as Jorginho doesn't play i'm good i don't really care <laughs> That's that's my biggest thing. Just get him out. I would rather play Billy Gilmore, who's very inexperienced comparatively, in the exact same position, and he's actually performed better than Jorginho uh-huh. has. But that's a whole different story. Um, Jorginho's sure. been worried about Frank Lampard not being a good coach. That's that's yeah. what he's worried about this season. What? Well, well, I'm not even get started with that <laughs> Arsenal game. Like, like I just. I, Lost a lot of money on that game. Say, how much money did you lose on that one? <laughs> well, okay, I didn't lose a lot of money. I lost a lot of money potential on that game because yeah. I hit everything else. But it was just one of those like Chelsea completely dominated like, dominated that game, and it was just it was different. But um, going into City, I'm interesting. You know, we'll, we'll see what Aguero has on his back and, and see if he's wanting to uh, make up for the. Well, they literally he literally cost them the game uh, in that aspect. So. I'm interested to see that one. It's it's going to be, I think it's going to be back and forth because obviously Chelsea has a lot of clean sheets recently since Tuchel has taken over, but it's City. You can never count them out. So um, I think it would actually be a pretty interesting game, hopefully, for the love of God. I don't want to have like a 0-0 <laughs> game going into the extra time, but we will uh, we'll see how it goes. So. There's something that I, like, I heard. Uh, I can't remember which show I was listening to this week. But they talked about giving Frank Lampard credit for how far Chelsea have come. Because you have to think, Frank Lampard brought a bunch of the players into this squad. He obviously wasn't the best tactically with the players. But how much credit do we need to give Lampard for where Chelsea is prior to bringing Tuchel in? Like, how much credit does he deserve for this Champions League run, I guess, Paige? Um, Well, for me, I think you always have to credit your starting coach and when things go wrong the first person they always blame is the coach right so um I don't think you can discredit him I think it was a little bit too much for him at the time 
And obviously that's why they ended up changing. But I mean, you got to give him some credit at the end of the day, because like you said, he brought in a lot of quality players and they went on a quite a good run at the beginning. It just, you know, things weren't quite working out. So, I mean, I like Frank Lampard. I, I don't, I have nothing against him. I just think he was in over his head taking such a big club as, you know, first coaching steps. So for me, I'm still going to give him the credit, but. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, Irfan, your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, we wouldn't not have been introduced to Mason Mount or Tammy Abraham or uh, put it respect. Well, Tammy was already, I will say Tammy was already there before. <laughs> before he, no, no, but, but I'm just saying that if he didn't give those guys the opportunity or guys like uh, Billy Gilmore, who comes off the bench, um, like the young guys have really made this squad. And I think that's where his credit comes in because he's connected with the younger guys. I think the the problem became that it was the senior players that he just wasn't um able to connect with or find a way for them to improve their game because they're already at a, at a different stage in their career. Um, and, and you know, he kind of botched his first transfer um, approach. Obviously, he brought in some very talented players. He just didn't know where to put them. Um, and that was his biggest downfall. And I think if he hadn't gone out and, and maybe bought these big names, he probably still would have been the coach because he would have continue that trend from last year where he was putting more focus onto the youngsters. Um, maybe potentially that's just a massive question mark. So yeah, I think he does deserve a lot of credit. And I think uh, Thomas Tuchel also said the same thing that, you know, the, the FA cup run that he had to get us to this position, it, it, he's done a great job. And then the fact that they were great in the qualifying round for the champions league. So yeah, you got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, we've seen this all the time where coaches get fired halfway through the season and the guy who picks up gets all the credit. But um, if the foundation is late, properly from before you got to give them credit from there yeah well, I and i think sorry. go ahead Paige. no go ahead Paige. well i was gonna say i think i think lampard like you were saying he's working with these young players i think he comes from an era where you you kind of groom these younger players through the academy and bring them up so mm-hmm. if he connects more with these younger players i think it's because that is kind of what he was doing when he was playing he you know you're groomed in your academies and then you you develop into and so those coaches are more focused on those younger players whereas like you said he doesn't connect necessarily with those more experienced players who are who are moving around a lot and for me I bet you or I think it's probably from his experience as a player so I think if you give him maybe more of a younger squad he might be able to develop develop them a little bit better exactly well that's what we saw last year right because right he, we didn't expect them to be a top four team and they were a top four team and they played very well. Um, and that's when he didn't have anyone. He lost Hazard. He didn't have a healthy Conte. Like he was just like, he was forced he, to go young though. Last he was, year because but of that's that. the thing. But that's the thing. Like that's what Paige is saying that the fact that he connected so well with these young players was what we, we that's probably more of his style. Maybe his next coaching gig should be with, you know, a young and upcoming squad. Like he had a good season with Darby as well. And they were also very young and a lot of low knee players. So maybe, maybe that's the next step for him rather than, you know, a big club right away, or maybe U 21. Cause I keep fighting for that, but <laughs> Um, you keep fighting for a lot of people on U21, so yeah. Well, anything's better than what we just saw the last couple of tournaments. So fair. Uh, Kyle, as a Chelsea fan, uh, how much credit are you giving Lampard for the run that Chelsea's been on recently? I give him full credit, like 100. Like I, ever since Tubos came in, has they have they been a different team? 100. You know. Uh, you don't, you're seeing a lot, as I was saying before, you've seen a lot more clean sheets when you're under Tuchel compared to what Lampard, Lampard was essentially, they were playing run and gun games and, it, and, uh, you know, they were playing what our coach used to call pond hockey. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you take it. I got it. You take it. I got it. Whatever you want to do that way. But, um, 
I think the biggest downfall for Lampard was he got so structured into who he had in his lineup and it did not change no matter what. He had people he liked in certain positions and he would not bring on other players. You know, yeah, you look at like Christensen, who's now become a Tuchel favorite, did not play. I'm pretty sure he had one appearance under Lampard. And it was just like, now all of a sudden Christensen has been a great defender for us. Well, maybe not great, but good. Um, He's been an improvement. Yes. And, and, and like even even Mount, Mount struggled to get some time earlier this year because he, he fell out of favor in Lampard with Lampard. So um, and now Tuchel's using him a hell of a lot more. So um, there's certain aspects where he, he kind of faltered. And I do agree with, with her front page. I think, you know, if he goes to a younger team and brings them up and develops them his own way, I think he will succeed immensely. But he also has to now if he wants a premier league gig basically he has to take that next step and connect with veteran players and and basically become a tactician type type coach where it's it's not just you're starting you're starting 11 and that's what you have it's hey this guy was probably gonna a little bit more energy let's bring him in today instead of somebody else and he just he just wasn't doing that so could we see and this is this is playing devil's advocate a little bit here could we see him jump onto a big club as a bench coach and learn under a tactical manager? Like, for instance, could he sign on with Chelsea's coaching staff and learn under Tuchel, right? I, I, that wouldn't be a good example because he just got fired from Chelsea. But could we see that? And that might be the next best step. And then he takes over a head coaching position from that coach when they're done, right? Like, you think about how often coaches get changed out. Could that be his next step, Irfan? Well, that would have been the first logical step to take to begin with, right? Like that would have probably yes. <laughs> made more sense. Like no, but like I think Chelsea, you know, gave him the benefit of the doubt because he's he's a star for for Chelsea for years. Like he's you think of Chelsea, you think of him and maybe one more guy, and I don't like him, so I'm not going to say his name. Um, but stop. <laughs> uh, I had a huge rant with Paige about that earlier mm-hmm. in the week. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think if he started off under um, a good tactician like maybe Massimo Allegri if he was signed before or Carlo Ancelotti or maybe Jose Mourinho for example like at least he would understand the game from a certain perspective um, and then go okay well this doesn't work maybe this works and then that's how you you start to develop as a coach so yeah I agree with you and maybe Chelsea would have been the best place to start for him as an assistant coach and, and sort of get that feel and you know we see that with a guy like Michael Carrick at United where he is the bench coach with OGS but he's also on the touchline a lot more than uh Oli Gunner is, um, you know, barking out orders and, and trying to change the formation and keep it moving and keep it fluid. So that could have been something. And I and I'm and I and, and I like that point of yours is that could have been something for Lampard moving forward. It's just maybe came too soon, maybe a little too early for him. But it's a part of the development. And I'm sure he'll be back for sure. Let's be fair. The only reason Carrick's on the touchline more is because he knows the players because he played with half of them like three years ago. <laughs> well, that was actually that was actually going to be my question. Do you guys think that you, he loses respect because I mean he's he's not he hasn't retired that long ago. He still played with some of these players. Do you lose that level of respect because he's your buddy or he's your ex player or whatever? Do you think that that affects how he his coaching style and how he coaches and maybe the lack of success with coaching? Oh, so don't put this question for Nick then. Is if Braden was a bench coach and you're playing, uh, how well would you take to him telling you how to play? For example, like that would um, be the closest, uh, thing I can think of. 
Right. I think I, I I understand what you guys are saying. Like I might question it a little bit if I don't agree with it. But if I'm seeing what Brayden's doing, or if someone is, or if they're explaining it to me to make it make sense, and we're working together, and he's not just telling me, "Oh, you need to do this," and he's just giving me an order, whereas he's explaining it more, I think it doesn't really matter. If they're your friend, you'll listen to them just as much as you'd listen to another coach, as long as they explain stuff. So if they take the time to really take to put the effort in to explain it, I have no problem with the coach being a friend, right? Like. Uh, that's that's always been my opinion kyle you're shaking your head at me so uh, I, I i honestly it's professional athletes no offense page they have an ego to them and i think um it's fair it's, i agree like like, like it, it's, it's one of those it? no it's like one of those like it's like professional athletes they have an ego to them and if, if it's a if it's a they have a manager who literally just retired what five six seven years ago something like that um I don't know if they value him the same as like a Thomas Tuchel type guy who has been doing it for years. Right. So it's one of those, um, there, there may be some disconnect there where he connects with the younger players. Cause they're like, Oh, I, Hey, I grew up watching you and playing, you know, when you were at Chelsea compared to like, like a Giroux who was literally playing against him at Arsenal. So it was right. like, so it's one of those, I don't know if they have the same connection really, or, or he has that same effect on them. Like, it's, he's not a mentor to them. He's like, hey, I played against you. I'm not going to listen to a goddamn thing you say. Um, type and I, of think, thing. I think that's where the key is. If you were friends with him before, if they were friends prior to him becoming a coach, I think they would listen more because they have that mutual respect for each other. They understand each other. Because players like Giroud and all these guys played against him, you're right. There's, there's probably an animosity towards him, and they might not listen to him as much. I, I think that's a valid point, Kyle. Yeah. Also... It's just one of those like Lampard was a great player, and and to me, I think he almost I think I think he needed to take a step first in the more like player acquisition type thing, and transition from there to being a coach. Obviously, I think he should have gone player acquisition, being on the bench with with another experienced coach, and then being the full time manager. Maybe that's on Chelsea for hiring him too early and throwing him to the wolves essentially, but. Um, I think there's there's definitely a couple more steps before he truly becomes. I think he could be a great manager, hundred percent. But I think he has a few more steps he has to take before that. So yeah, hundred percent. And uh, we'll hopefully see him back in a top flight at some point mm-hmm. in some capacity. Don't know where, don't know when that will be, but he'll he'll come back and we'll we'll see him around. Let's switch gears now. Women's Champions League, Kyle. Your, Ch- your Chelsea girls are now in the Women's Champions League final too. You get two for two. A little double dip. Little, a little double, double dip. <laughs> <laughs> Paige, I'll let you break this one down because I let Irfan break uh, the men's one down. Uh, what are we going to see from this game? I'm so excited for this game. I did not predict either of these teams being in the final to begin with. So um, who, I don't even remember who I had. I can't remember. Do you remember? Well, probably one of PSG or Lyon. <laughs> I had PSG. Yeah. I think yeah. I had PSG. And I went Lyon. Maybe City. Maybe City. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Not United. Yeah, but, that's all I know. No. <laughs> yeah, not United Women's, unfortunately. But no, I'm super excited. I think Barcelona may be the underdog coming into this team. I think Chelsea's a more solid side in general, and they've had a more solid season. But I think Barcelona's been super exciting. If you watched any of the games they played against PSG, they're they're just a really entertaining team to watch so i think that's what's going to make this final a super entertaining final i'm cheering for barcelona but um i'd be happy i'm going to be happy as long as it's a good game i'll be happy either way so 
Yeah, that's that's what it's shaping up to be at this point. Is just going to be a solid game. Chelsea a little bit more experienced than the Barcelona mm-hmm. side. Barcelona maybe a little flashier. <laughs> that might be the best it's way Spanish to put soccer. it. It's Spanish soccer. It's Spanish soccer. Exactly. They're a little flashier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Irfan, um, who are you taking in this one? Um, I think realistically, Chelsea might be the the better option just because of how complete they are. I mean, when you have Jesse Fleming off the bench or Peniel Harder off the bench, sometimes um, that just tells me how much depth you have. And I think Emma, Emma Hayes deserves so much credit with this club. Um, I think she's good enough to coach on the men's side if, if she ever gets that opportunity and if that's the trend next. But this is a more complete side. They're just like they're they're killing it in their league. They're they're playing very good European soccer where they don't seem to be down a lot. Even when you think that the pressure is bottling them up, they're just able to get through it. My heart really wants Barcelona to win, and that's probably because I'm a huge. Uh, no, I'm I'm telling you that was a realistic pick that I'm making, <laughs> but my heart. <laughs> But my heart is saying Barcelona because I'm a huge Denny Hermoso fan. And if you Denny watch, Hermoso. if you watch any of the the Barcelona games this year, like Paige alluded to, there they they attack you in waves and they're fun. Like you have players that can play multiple positions and they're just so fluid with the ball. And that's I guess that's just Spanish football. But they're so fluid. They're they're moving. They're they're dancing through. It's fun. It's like good soccer. So um, <laughs> just kind of dances. <laughs> um, but. No, like like that. Exactly. So I think, you know, you have a structured side in Chelsea and then you have a more uh, waved attack in in Barcelona. So it's going to be actually, I think it might be more entertaining than the men's final because I think the men's final might be a little conservative um, to start with. But uh, yeah, I I think you have two very good teams to pick pick from. And I, I mean, I'm picking realistically for Chelsea just because of their depth. But if Jenny Hermoso scores a goal, you'll see me screaming like crazy, but that's about it. I'll see him running down the street. <laughs> I'll come drive by. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kyle, give us your thoughts on this one. I mean, there's not really much more to say to you when it's based on what I know. Okay, said. give us your thought, though. <laughs> I, I have... It's, it's okay. So this is very much, it's going to be a weird relation here. It's very much like the NFL, right? So I'm, I'm going to say this right now. The Do- Miami Dolphins, or no, Cincinnati Bengals pick, right? What was the safe pick? Sewell, which is Chelsea. The sexy pick is Barcelona, just with how they play. <laughs> very weird relation, but I it's just, way back in the record books there it's just in in my opinion is that honestly the biggest thing i'm looking forward to is finally a non-german or french winner after yeah. 13 years yeah you know, the last winner was 06 07 with arsenal so um gunners you know so i, I that's what i'm most excited for is actually having a different winner this time with a different re- representation you know maybe we get a spanish winner for the first time in I don't know, a, a long time. Ever. Yeah, yeah, Thanks, buddy. It's been over 20 years. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, um, it's been a hot minute, yeah. You know, and as, as you said, I do think this is probably going to be a more entertaining game than the actual men's final. It's just, I think it's, I think it could be a very back and forth game. And it, it could be one of those, um, it, it's going to come down to, it's very sports, terribly like a metaphor type thing, but it's going to come down to one play and it's going to be how that, how that plays out is really going to turn the table. It's going to be one instance where it's a, 
a bad tackle and it's a card or it's a, a misplay on the defense and it's going to cost that team. And I think that's truly going to determine this final. So there, I mean, in my opinion, I think the Chelsea offense is just too strong for the Barcelona defense, but if Barcelona can maintain possession and use that slick passing, the quick movement, they could catch Chelsea. They could, they could catch Chelsea out a couple times and make mm-hmm. this a very interesting game. But if Chelsea's offense is going, Barcelona, I don't think can stop them enough times mm-hmm. to, to stay in this one. That's, that's where I'm at. So I think Chelsea takes it. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's a, that's not obviously not a crazy pick. As we said, <laughs> it's the safe pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly want to touch on the Europa League final United Ray Villarreal uh, page. Who's taking this one? I mean, I'm a United fan, so I can't, I can't let my boys down. Got the so. Forever United <laughs> yeah. flag. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be interesting though because Maguire's injured, and I don't know. I mean, not that I'm not a big Maguire fan to begin with, but I, they sh- recently showed some of his stats about like his consistency throughout the season, and I think he gets a lot of hate from oh, me. Yeah. From, uh, from a lot of people, not just yeah. you. <laughs> from from everybody, yeah. But if you actually go and look at his stats, he's the best defender, almost the best defender in the league right now. So um, I think that's going to hurt quite a bit, depending, you know. But, I mean, I'm still – I'm cheering for United. So that's who's taking it for me. This is a conversation that me and Irfan had, I believe, this week or last week. Uh, I don't think United have a top-tier defender. Mm-hmm. They have two or three second-tier defenders. So not the elite of the elite. We're not talking like the Ruben Diaz is at the moment and guys like that. Sergio Ramos is up there. We're like the next tier. So they're very good defenders, but they're not the elite. And that's what we're used to at United, right, Paige? We're used to the <laughs> elite. <laughs> okay, not when you're throwing Jones in. That's not elite. I'm not when saying Jones we've had one in a while. I'm not saying we've had an elite defender <laughs> yeah, in a you're while, talking but we're like used Ferdinand to it. <laughs> and Vidic and like all the like, you know, world class, those players. Yeah. Yes. But it's I mean, since the Fergie era, we haven't had some very good yeah. defenders. But cool. I think you, that's why I mean you guys were spoiled. Oh, oh 100%. Wow. 100%. Oh, sure. yeah, that works. <laughs> but that's what I mean, like everyone rips on Maguire because he's not the elite of the elite, but he right. was never going to be the elite of the elite. Mm-hmm. Like he's never going to be a top tier defender. He might be the top of the second tier. For but sure. he will never be a top tier defender. And that's why he gets so much flack, which isn't really fair to him. I don't well, think. Well, and I think, bad. yeah. And I think he's kind of that old school, like classic English style defender, like win tackles, play long balls, win headers. That's it. Yeah. Whereas now, like in the modern game, your defender is so much more evolved. Like look at a, like a Sergio Ramos or someone or a Vidic or somebody like that. And so I think that's why he gets a lot of hate because he's still that like very classic English make a tackle and mm-hmm. break a nose. Yeah. <laughs> break a nose. <laughs> She's not wrong. That's, that's yeah. a very valid thought. <laughs> um, but Kyle, I, still, I don't like him. So. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on this game? Well, to be honest, I want to hear Irfan's because I, I listened to the episode uh, the other day and Irfan is going against his boys, I'm pretty sure. And that's why I'm not bringing him up. That's why he's not being brought into the car. No. Okay, go ahead, Irfan. Uh, no, I just said this game feels like that Sevilla game from last year where, you know, United went in thinking we're going to boss that midfield, like I said on the episode, and um, that they're going to dominate and they're going to, like, probably win the game. But, you know, kudos to Sevilla for pulling out last year. And I think that might just happen again this year with Villarreal there. They look much better than that Sevilla team that beat United last year. 
um and and without Maguire and and you know like I, I guess I have to put some respect by his name um aside from maybe a couple of marking that he can't really do he well can't man mark let's let's no. make that very clear think, he is awful at man marking and I think that's what that's where he gets the most slack from is the fact that he doesn't pick up players properly and then you know it leads to a chance especially when you're playing big clubs like that but um I did say Villarreal just because of the atmosphere last year and and how that sort of game went and if you're you know you're you're going with Bailly and Lindelof who haven't played together well this season or ever since they've been together but it, it's a it's a area of concern and and uh, if you watch that Villarreal Arsenal game uh, Unai Emery had his guys finding pockets of space a lot they were able to get through the defense they were able to um, you know boss the midfield um because thomas Partey just couldn't handle it and, and whether that happens with fred and mctominay or with pogba dropping deep we don't know but i'm going via real just because i think uh, that it has that feel of last year for me fair enough and i get what you're saying i think the united midfield is a little bit more consistent this year than they were last year so that might <laughs> that might play into united's advantage kyle now that irfan's gone you can now give your thoughts <laughs> i i just i i i listen to that and i'm like wait what He's not picking Man United. Wow. Okay. All right. But it's a closer um, game. I think this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people want to admit as United fans. I mean, you're talking. Well, United tends to choke too. So, like United, I don't know. I mean, they they looked decent in the first Roma game. The second Roma game, they did not look great. They were up six two. They didn't need to look good in the second Roma game. That's where you can't look sloppy though. Prepping. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Your your last game before you go into the final and and you you look like shit. well they've lost two in a row so far and they you know like you, you just can't keep losing games especially if you're trying to build momentum that's that's where it's at yeah it's, especially it's one of those like oh yeah you oh, it's the last game doesn't really matter they have to beat us like seven nothing in order for them to pass that that's not the mentality you should have going into that game it shouldn't shouldn't be yeah, just saying they didn't need to look good is what I was saying. Yeah. That's all I said. They didn't need to. <laughs> the, fringe players, the fringe players needed to look good if they want yes. more playing time. That's yes. what it was. And they didn't look great. That's fair. And it's, and it's a good thing they didn't need to look good because they didn't. So there's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, and they only lost 3-2. Let's not forget. It's not like they got blown out in that game, okay? Like, they didn't. They lost 3-2. Yeah, but yeah. the first game was, sure. what, 6-2? Yeah. I know, but I'm just saying, like, it's uh, the way you guys are all talking, it's like they got blown out 5-0. They lost 3-2. They scored two goals still somehow. <laughs> yes, well, because Edison Cavani is a beast. <laughs> yeah. So it's also because as soon as a United player goes in the box, they immediately fall, and it's a penalty. Okay, all right, Chelsea. Bruno Fernandez, easiest goal you can ever have in your life. He has more goals in the run of play than he has penalties. He has 13 penalties out of 25 goals. He has 28 goals this year, and he has 10 penalties. But good try. In the Premier, but in the Premier League is what we're talking. That's no, what I'm, talk, I'm talking in general. Oh, in general, Pfft. penalties. It's fine. That's how he scores his goals. <laughs> that's why. That's why he's paid the money. I mean, at least he's not Aguero and missing the penalties in general. There you <laughs> oh go. See, you, as long as you um, as long as you convert, it doesn't. <laughs> honestly, I I, I want to lean towards United in this one. Just I, I think they will struggle with No Maguire at the back. Yeah. I think I think uh, Villarreal will take advantage of that. But I think, as Irfan says, Cavani's been a beast recently. So as long as he keeps scoring and they keep giving him opportunities to put the ball in the back of the net, um, I think United has the advantage in that aspect. So um, I'm interested to see, you know, just off topic, but United next year apparently is going after strikers is what they're rumored to be going after. So, you know, where does Cavani fit after he's basically been your best goal scorer this year, arguably? Um, Well, no, they're putting Rashford on the wing. That's their plan. 
Well, but and Martial Green, on the other side. Then Greenwood doesn't get played. And I know. I don't get no, it. No development from Greenwood. No. I don't right. get it. <laughs> we need defenders. Why are we going after attackers? Because uh, you're United. Because that's what brings in the money. <laughs> that's what brings in the money is a goal scorer, and then yeah. the guy who's taking over from Woodward is also in the same build and mindset, apparently, and he thinks the same way. So we're just gonna have a, a thing our, our our club is going to be a business which it already is so um get ready for it's, it's more a pretty fun. successful business let's not deny that fact yeah. they're very, oh, yeah. very successful i'm not saying that they're not i'm just saying that the, that focus about money and business is taken away from yes. the fans and how to actually perform on the field and that's what's yeah. harming you guys are going to get sancho and you guys are going to get holland and nobody's going to know where the hell to play we're going to play and five none of those strikers. Players are gonna, yeah, none of those players are going to play together very well. Yeah, so exactly. We're going to play five strikers, yeah. one midfielder, four <laughs> and defenders, <McGuire>. and a goalie. <laughs> no, no, it's just, no midfield. No, just literally four strikers, six defenders, and then a goalie. Well, that doesn't make sense. No, you, you only go four up. You only go four defenders, so you have I, one I, midfielder. I, I'm, I'm telling you, United, it's just, well, I'll say, it's United. They're not going to do it the proper way. They're going to figure out a different way to do it. Or six and four as our formation there. Exactly. <laughs> we will outscore the opponent. That's all we're going to do. <laughs> counterattack. Counterattack. Go, go, go. Oh, God. I'm not even looking forward to that. the offseason. I don't want to think about it yet. We're not there yet. Okay, Kyle? I mean, yeah. So like, oh, I Pretty close. I, I guess, oh, I guess, no, Paige. You're not there yet. We don't have to deal with it yet. <laughs> so I guess long way around, I'm taking United. Okay, good. It pains me to take that, but I will take United for this one. So. It's a safe hey. pick. You know, uh, it's United in a final. I wouldn't necessarily call it a safe pick, but it's probably the smart pick right now. Oh, wait, so, so do I say it again? It's United. That's <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> yeah, I had to say it. That's the whole point. Oh, my God. Relax. All right? <laughs> Deep breaths. But, hey, you know what? How's your, how's your Champion League run going? Fantastic. Okay, good. There's two English teams in the Champions League final. I would call that a success for English football. <laughs> I think it was oh, more so talking oh, about United yeah, success. Exactly. <laughs> so now, now it's oh, we're not United now. It's, it's English football. It's all for us. It's great, fantastic. No, you, know you, asked, are. you asked me how the Champions League run was, not how United's how, Champions said, League run was. Two, I, I said how my was Champions your, League run is great. Yeah, mine Champions is fine. There's two English squads in the final. I don't care. Oh, so you're not a United fan anymore. I'm a United fan and an English football fan. Oh, Jesus. You are the most politically correct guy I've ever met in my god. You know what we are, though? I think we're Neil Patrick Harris when he wore uh, city jerseys and said, Go Manchester United! That is us. That was hilarious. (laughs) First match he's ever gone to. First up, he did that in Manchester. What? Yeah, right. Neil Patrick Harris. You know, no it's it's, it's like it's like the guys who wear the Leafs Habs jersey it's split down the middle. It's like no 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 no. Oh no you, no that's that is suicide. No. Yeah, you go into each you go into each building and you will probably get beaten up by both fans. <laughs> you go into one of the buildings and you'll get beaten up by both fans <laughs> just for ripping the jersey and attaching it to the other one. It'd be the only time the Leafs and Habs can agree on something. <laughs> the shit out of this guy. Uh, Pretty much. Yep. Yep. Nailed it on the head there. And with that, <laughs> that'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. Paige, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you jumping on the show and we appreciate you joining the network and helping Irfan out over at Touchline Thoughts. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Check out our next 
touchline episode next or tomorrow tomorrow see Irfan, that's what you have to do plug you gotta plug it <laughs> <laughs> that's why i'm here guys come on <laughs> why we brought her on that was the whole reasoning behind it yeah. so <laughs> we are gonna take a quick break here guys uh when we come back we're gonna preview the nhl playoffs even though i just did it but we're gonna do it again <laughs> so we'll be right back after this hey guys it's producer jake here from betting house the garage door sports network's ultimate degenerate gambling podcast Catch our episodes weekly on Apple, Spotify, and Google as we bring you banter, laughter, and of course picks for all sorts of games throughout the week. Give us a follow on our socials at BettingHousePod where you can catch all our bets each week as well as some bonus content. Remember to always gamble responsibly. Let's get rich. Boys, we're back. Let's get right into it because we got eight matchups to talk about and that was a long conversation about soccer. So we got to balance it off now with a probably longer conversation about hockey. Where do you want to start? I'm going to give dealer's pick to Irfan. Which division are we starting in, man? Let's go central just because uh, that Tampa Bay, Florida series is going to be fun. All right. Central it is. And let's start with the one versus four matchup and get into the Tampa, Florida one. We will get there. One versus four. We got Carolina taking on Nashville. (laughs) <laughs> is that a broom? <laughs> yes. Okay, I was like, what are you doing? I thought you were trying to like wave a flag. Like, what are you doing? No, first off, if I was waving a flag, I would have switched my hands. A broom is this way. It looks like you're going okay. up, though, Kyle. Carolina's <laughs> going to sweep is what I'm trying to say. Jesus. <laughs> wow, that was painful. <laughs> well, let's talk about the matchup in general. Carolina finished two points back of the President's Trophy. Um behind Colorado and Vegas. And Nashville had one of the lowest point totals in out of playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Is this even a close matchup at all, Irfan? I don't think it's a sweep, per se, um, especially with the way Nashville played the last two games against Carolina. They were a little bit more competitive because they knew that if we get pushed around now, we're going to get pushed around in the playoffs. Obviously, playoff hockey is different, but... Um, I think it goes to five or six, and I, I think I told you that um, through text. But um, it's it's going to be a Carolina series. I don't have a doubt about it. But I think um, I think Nashville's going to pull out a win. They're going to split the series starting off, and then they're going to they're going to lose like two or three in a row, and then that's probably how it's going to end. But uh, um, yeah, not a sweep, but maybe a gentleman sweep or, or something like that. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but it's Carolina all the way. They're just much better. They actually have decent goaltending this year. Uh, you know, at the trade deadline, we thought, you know, losing Teo Fleury or not Teo Fleury, Fleury, Hayden Fleury um, was going to, you know, impact their depth on defense, but it hasn't impacted them at all. They're, they're still playing attractive hockey and, and Rob Brendamore has done very, very well for this team. Yeah. And the big thing for me is that, Kyle, who's the number one goalie in Carolina? Mrazek. Okay, Mrazek played twelve games this year. Ned Jelkovic played twenty three and had a nine thirty two save percentage and a one ninety goals against average. James Reimer had the worst goals against average out of the three goalies that played for Carolina at two sixty six. They have goaltending. When have we been able to say Carolina has had goaltending since Cam Ward went on that run? That's an inc- that's that's a big mm-hmm. part of this team. They're a very good team. 
Now that they have goaltending, they've taken that next step, and that's what we've seen this year. And Kyle, I, I don't know if it's going to be a sweep. I have them winning in five. And Irfan, you're the only one who had this going more than five games it, out of the entire network. Mm -hmm. I, I polled everybody. You're the only one who had it going more than five games. Kyle, why is this just leaning so far heavily in Carolina's favor? Um, because Carolina is one of those Barry Trotz types teams where it's defense first and they, they clear the puck out, but they have the goal scoring that the Islanders don't have. That's the biggest thing. So that's why Carolina is such a complete team. And I can see them going on a run in, in this playoffs purely because they have the goaltender and they don't know who's going to be the goaltender, but they know he's going to be doing well. They got, they got three. They could throw in, take your pick. It's going to be draw the hat. They, they have three goaltenders. I would probably take over both Nashville's goaltenders. You know, Saros has been good this year. Don't get me wrong, but I would still take Car Carolina's goalies over both of them. Um, and, and the biggest thing with, with Nashville is who in the hell is going to score. That's the biggest question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so it's Nashville has always been defense first. They've always been that. They've always, since the Weber Suter days, you know, they've always had defense. Well, and first. they had Barry Trotz as well. Yeah. That, yeah. Right. So, so they've always <laughs> been, they've always been, they've always been that type of team, but they never transitioned into actually getting goal scores. You know, the only person they really have is Philip Forsberg. And, and even then, he's not McDavid. So he can't carry a team throughout the playoffs. So, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to play a little fun game. Are you guys ready for this? How many players? And we're going to start with Irfan. How many players on Nashville have more than 30 points? One. Kyle? I'm going to go with one. I can't think of anybody else. There's two. Okay. I think Matt Deshane's one, no? No. No? no? It's, it's probably Arvidsson. Nope. So who who do you guys have as the one that you guys both agree on? Is it Forsberg? Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. So. Yeah. The other one's a defenseman named Roman Yossi who led the team in points with 33. Mm -hmm. I guess I probably should be guessed. Is he playing? Yeah, I don't see him listed as a as a defensive parent star. Is he healthy? I think he's hurt. Do you know? He only oh. played 48 games this year. Yeah, so oh, there you go. You lost your best player. <laughs> right? I guess it's not as big of a deal. He only missed eight games, but... No, it'd be 17, wouldn't it? If he played 48, it's a 65-game season. I'd say 56-game season. <laughs> Sorry, you had the right numbers. I'll give you credit. You just, just went dyslexic dyslexia. on there for a second. Dyslexia. People, people are people poo or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and how many players scored more than 13, or more than 12 goals? More than, keyword, more than 12 goals. Again, one, I don't know. I Two! Two! And neither one of them is named Philip Forsberg. Like, actually, actually, Tolvanen had a half decent year this year, but he's not anything special. So. Tolvanen played in 40 games and had 22 points. No, I know, but I'm saying like Tolvanen did well this year. Like he was almost at that 30 mark. Fair enough. Okay, I get what you're saying. My, my apologies. Yeah. They had a bunch of guys in the 20s. They had, in fact, they had seven guys in the 20 point mark. But that's the problem, and that's what I was just trying to build on your point there, Kyle. They don't yeah. have any scoring. Yeah. They have no offense. They are going to hope to win games one nothing and. I'm sorry, I don't think UC Saros is the goalie right now. He could be, but I don't think he's the goalie who's going to get you through the playoffs winning one nothing, 2-1 games the whole I way mean, through. Don't get me wrong, Saros had a fantastic year. He did, know, sub 100%. Sub-2.3 goals against average, 920-something save percentage. But he had to do that because they have no goal scoring, and they would still lose games 2-0, 2-1, whatever. And that's what be. I'm saying, and that's what I'm saying. I just think yeah. he's not the guy to win – the playoffs winning two one one nothing games 
all the way through. He might get them a couple games, and that's why I said it could go five. Irfan thinks it might go six. I just don't see it happening this year. I think maybe next year when they get an, uh, maybe a little bit more scoring, hopefully in the offseason. I would hope that's what they're going after, but it is Nashville. Well, I think the only problem is I think they're in cap hell right now, so I don't know. Fair. That might be mm-hmm. that might be the issue, but we'll uh, we'll like, cross that bridge when we get there. Like 90% of the other uh, rest of the league. So, that's all yeah, I was going to say, isn't everybody in cap hell at the moment? Yep. But all in all, I, Carolina takes this, and I don't think anybody has any question about Carolina taking it. It's just a matter of the games, I think, is the real, the real question. So. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's flip over to the fun series that Irfan talked about quickly. Uh, Florida finished second in the division. They will take on their state rival, Tampa Bay, who is now a $100 million team because playoffs don't have a cap. Mm-hmm. And they knew how to do that, and they're pretty smart for it. And everyone's ripping on them, but hey, they you figured know. it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Irfan, start us off again. Sure. What are we seeing? Um, this is a much better Florida team this year, right? They're so good this year. They they play Tampa Bay very well, and I think they really want this matchup. And um, I don't know what we're gonna get from the defending Stanley Cup champions. Obviously, having Stamkos and Kucherov come back are is there rust on them? We don't know. But um, just a much better season from Joel Quenville. And this is what they brought him in for was for this sort of run in the playoffs to try and get a run into the playoffs and have a good season to get there. And they've gotten goaltending from two solid goaltendings, goaltenders. Sorry. Um, you know, Alex Barkov has just become a big name on that roster. And, you know, Jonathan Uber does find a way to connect with these players and they have depth for it. And, you know, when they, when they traded Vinny Trocek last year, we, we dissed them for it. We, we called them out cause it didn't make sense, but um, they brought in some young talent um, and they, and they're able to sort of mix it in and, and they're a very, very good squad. Um, I do say Tampa Bay in seven, obviously, just because I have them picking, I had them to win the Stanley cup and that's just, you know, defending champs, they're they're probably the deepest team. When you bring your two-star players and they've come off injuries or, you know, you bring in a guy at Savard in the defensive zone, um, you're just adding so much more talent and so much more depth. And that's what the playoffs are about. If you lose one player, they have one or two guys that can come in and step, and step into that role. So um, their depth is probably the best depth in the playoffs. And I'd probably give Vegas the second best depth team. Um, and then maybe, maybe the apps after that, I don't know, but the, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards the lightning, but it's going seven. It's going to be a very close series. It's going to be a back and forth series. We might see a blowout one game, but then the other team's going to do the blowout the next game. So um, this might be one of the best matchups we're going to see in a while. Fair enough. Uh, Kyle, I want to pose this to you because everyone talks about the goaltending when they talk about Tampa, because Vasilevsky has been fantastic this year. He's probably up for the Vesna at least in the top three or top three for the Vesna, if not winning it. He has struggled against Florida this year. And I don't, I'm going to read the stats off quickly just so people know what we're looking at. He had an 898 save percentage and a 336 goals against average in six games against the Florida Panthers. And Florida actually won five out of eight meetings this year. And that one of their three losses was an overtime loss. So they were in that game. Is that a concern if you're Tampa going into this series that Florida seems to play this team very, very well, especially down the stretch? They won the last two. Let's not forget that to take number to take the second spot. 
I mean, it's always a worry, but also you haven't had Stamkos or Kucherov, who you will have for game one uh, in your lineup. So but how healthy, how how ready will they be? Kucherov hasn't played a game this year. How Kucherov ready will, be, will he be? Kucherov will be ready like no tomorrow. He's been ready for a month and a half. They just couldn't take him off because they didn't have any cap space to take him off. But I mean, speed-wise. Like, don't forget, he's been ready in practice. Practice speed game regular regular season game speed and playoff game speed are three completely different beasts we've seen players struggle coming back from injury in regular season this guy is getting thrown into the fire in game one of the playoffs after not playing for an entire year is that going to affect him probably not because speed's not his game i think that's the biggest thing I his, his speed his, of the I, game I, not I, his I get speed. it i get it but kucherov the biggest thing for him is finesse right yeah. Is, is does he have those hands? Does he have this, the the saucer pass? Does he have the, the sneaky plays? He's not mm-hmm. like if it, if I if it, we we're talking about McDavid and McDavid was out all year and all of a sudden he's coming in game one, I would be a lot more worried because the whole part of McDavid's game is his speed. It's funny but, he was he'd be the one player that I'm not worried about even with speed. Like if it was Marner or McKinnon, yes, maybe a little bit more. McDavid, I feel like doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, true. But, <laughs> But, but to me, I, I don't think it matters. I think it does matter which Kucherov and which Stamkos you get going into the yeah. game. But I also think adding them into that lineup just makes that, that lineup more dangerous. And to be honest, more overpowered is really what it comes down to. And, you know, I was leaning Florida potentially this, this series because, you know, Bobrovsky's been a hell of a lot better than he was last year after he was a bust last year. He struggles um, against Tampa, though. Yes, of course. You, majority of goalies struggle against Tampa in general, but fair enough. Valid point. Um, uh, but, but the thing is, I, I think the biggest problem for Tampa, I don't think is their, their goal scoring or their, or their goaltending. I think it's their defense right now. So, you know, it, it's, it's how does their defense hold up? You know, is Chernak truly a, a top four defenseman? How does David Savard and Jan Ruda hold up in there? You know, um, to, to me, I look, I look at those, those players and, and see how do they keep up with Florida. Florida's got speed. Florida's got depth. That's the biggest thing for me. So um, I do ultimately give the edge to Tampa just because I have to. It's 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 just one of those. I mean, you don't have to, but you should. Well, you, you, you do, though, because it's one of those, like, until Florida proves themselves in the playoffs, I have yeah. to lean Tampa. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. you know. And if Florida comes out and wipes the floor and beats Tampa in five games, then, then I – 100% I'm behind Florida and and it's it's Florida is one of those teams to worry about because you know as I said they have depth they have scoring and they have goaltending that's the biggest thing you know when it comes, when it comes to playoffs that's what you need is you, yeah. you need you need depth scoring and you need goaltending that's the, that's mm-hmm. the biggest key so um I I have Tampa in 6 I 100% can see it go 7 there's no doubt about that um but I have to give the edge to Tampa on this one mm-hmm. Yeah you mentioned defense there's potential of no Victor Hedman to start, right? So, I mean, that Doesn't might... Doesn't that balance it off, though? Because there's no Aaron Eckblad on the other side. So, there you go. But... yeah, I think, this, I think this series comes down to the top two forwards on each team. Right? We've talked a lot about Stamkos and Kucherov so far. But there is a very, very lethal pair of forwards on the Florida Panthers. Me and Kyle talked about them all season in Barkov and Huberto. We did the Barks and Hubie watch every week. These guys are top-level talent. I think whichever pair can score more points for their respective team in the playoffs will be the one that leads their team out of this round. I have Tampa winning, and I have Tampa winning in six. 
but this could easily be a seven game series or Florida could come out and win in five or six as well. Like th- that, this series is so wide open in my opinion. I'm giving the edge to Tampa mostly because of Vasilevsky and okay. the fact that Ekblad's out the whole playoffs. And, and well, he's been out for pretty much the whole year, but that's but uh, not he, really. He he was out after like the first quarter of the year. Trust me, I had him in fantasy. Um, the the biggest thing for Florida is, you know. As I said, they have depth, right? But how does that depth show up in the playoffs, right? Does Sam Bennett show up in the playoffs? Does Carter Verhehe, who had a great year this year, does he show up in the playoffs? That's the, to me, that's the biggest question about Florida. Is is yes, they have depth, but the playoffs are a different beast. That's the biggest thing, right? And, and it comes, I, I I agree with Nick. I think it comes down to who scores more points. But I think at the same point, it comes down to who doesn't show up in the playoffs is what it's going to come down to, right? You know, the Leafs have had their struggles where, where Matthews or, or Marner doesn't show up in the playoffs, right? Actually, and, I would say those two are the only two players that showed up in the playoffs last year and everyone else disappeared, but... Yeah, so T- Tavares was the one who really didn't show up last year. But um, but it's one of those, like, when, when those star players don't show up, the team struggles. And then it truly tests your depth of, of you know, the next guy up and, and who can do that, right? Um so, so to me, is if, if, Barkov, if Barkov or Huberto, one of them falters, who's next? Who, who yeah. takes that step up? So, so, And that's, to me, there's a lot more keys that could step up for Tampa than there yeah. is for Florida. That's fair. That's fair. I like that point. And we'll, we'll, we'll end it on that point. We'll move on to the next division. I say we go east. Are you guys good with going east? Let's go east. So first matchup, Pittsburgh won the division. I don't think any of us really expected Pittsburgh to win the division. Maybe their cross-state rival, but uh, that didn't happen now, did it, Kyle? Nope. <laughs> no. And they will be taking on... Who are they taking on? Wow, I the just, Islanders. The Islanders. Wow, I just totally froze there. My head went... Whew. This is going to be an interesting matchup because we're going to see the super system team in the New York Islanders go up against a team that is, I would like to say, top-heavy with Crosby, Malkin, like their top two lines are very heavy and then their bottom two I'm I'm a little bit more concerned about, but have put it all together this season that I don't think many people expected. We're going up against the more veteran goaltending of Semyon Varlama versus Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith. If Jari's healthy, it's obviously Jari's crease. Let's, let's not deny that fact. But if he's not healthy, DeSmith's right there and he had a pretty good season too. Kyle, what are we going to see in this one? Very boring hockey. <laughs> All right. <laughs> very boring hockey. It's 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 a very trotch series. I'm not watching. Sorry. Not watching. Unless it goes to game seven, right? Nope. I will still take a nap during the game. I'm good. I, I will pass on that one. <laughs> um, I, I, I do think Pittsburgh ultimately pulls it out. I think the biggest thing for Pittsburgh was um, – Again, I say it again, but their lack of depth was the biggest issue for Pittsburgh, and they addressed that in the offseason and, and and at the trade deadline too. You know, picking up Carter at the trade deadline has worked wonders for him, and, and Kapitans looked like a, a good top six forward for him. So, um, to to me, you know, if you can you can filter Carter into that third line center role, and, and it's 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 a it's a great for Pittsburgh because they add that depth that they have, and and Jari's had a great season, and it's one of those I think. Pittsburgh to me was the biggest surprise this year. I think is what it was for me. 
um, you know, they were like 15 points down from the division, like halfway through the year. And sure. then, and then they won the division. Yes. They tied in points, but they won the division after being like 15 points behind Washington. Yeah. So, so to me, they're, they're like the feel good story type thing, you know, it's like the blues from two years ago. Exactly. And it's one of the, well, not, well, I'm just saying like yeah. feel good story, like the blues from two years sure. ago. Right. Sure. I mean, not saying like the Blues. Blues had a little bit better of a run to get to the playoffs. Yes, I know. I'm not saying they're like exactly like the Blues. I'm saying they're like the feel good yes. story from two years ago. Relax. But 100, percent I, I do agree with that, and it's one of those. Um, I, I think I think Pittsburgh takes this one. Um, I think it is a close series, 100. percent But I have Pittsburgh in six for this one. Um, I just you know. It, for for me, it's again. Who's going to score for the Islanders? I have yeah. no clue. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Barzell had a great year this year, but is Barzell going to have a great year in the playoffs? We'll see. Barzell didn't even get to fifty points, though. Let's not forget that fifty-five games. He only had forty-five points, or only yeah. forty-five points. I shouldn't say only forty-five points. They have they have a lot of depth scoring i would say like they have sorry they have a lot of people who have scored goals this year but it's not consistent and you look at it and anders lee obviously he's out so that's that's one guy who had 12 goals in 27 games mm-hmm. outside of that you have oliver wallstrom has 12 goals in 44 j uh, jg pajot has 14 and 54 volvillier has 15 and 47 everly's 15 Brock Nelson led the team with 18 goals, and then Barzell with 17. No one else has double digits. In in goals, I should say. Everyone else is single digits, and they have 23 players who have at least one goal for the team this year. But is that enough in the playoffs, Irfan? Well, we've seen it be enough for the Islanders two years ago, right? When they knocked out Pittsburgh, when they, they, they played... They played the pens very well, and I'm, I'm if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm I'm hoping that doesn't repeat itself because obviously the teams are a little bit different, but the style of hockey that the Islanders play hasn't changed, um, especially since they've brought in Kyle Palmieri um, and and Travis Zajac. So they've brought in guys that are gritty players, and they can come out and get a big goal for you. So I don't think they're they're too worried about goal scoring. I think they're they're going to find a way to to stop Crosby and stop that Malkin line from doing anything to them like they did two years ago. And then, you know, pick a player to, to have a big game. Cause like they have enough of those types of players on their team that can go out and have one big game. And that's all you need to really change the momentum of the series. Um, but for, you know, if you're Pittsburgh, you got to be weary of that. But again, like you said, Kyle said this, that Pittsburgh addressed one major thing and that was their depth this year. Right. They went out and got, uh, uh, sorry, Jeff Carter at the trade deadline. And then they also were able to bring in, you know, younger players into the system and sort of blend that into, into how they're doing. And obviously when you have Crosby and Malkin, you're very good. Um, so I have Pittsburgh in six, cause I'm hoping it doesn't repeat what happened two years ago, because like, obviously you want Sid and you want Malkin in, in another round and potentially another Washington series, if that happens. So, um, that's probably what we want to see, but, um, Yeah. They, the Isles are not worried about goals. They're just worried about stopping the Pens, and they'll get a big goal. And and um, Leo Komarov might have a big game. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but um, but to wrap it up, I think it's the the Pens and six. I agree with you guys, and I, I think it's still going to be the Pens and six. 
One thing I am worried about for the Islanders is the goaltending situation. I'm not worried about Varlamov, but I want to read these stats off, and maybe this will put a thought in your head be like, ooh. His regular season, across all 35 games that he played, he had a 929 save percentage and a 204 goals against, which is great. Seven shutouts, phenomenal numbers. When you compare that to his numbers that he had against the Penguins, his save percentage drops down to 897, and his goals against goes up to 286. Those aren't terrible numbers. Let's make that very clear. But in comparison to his regular season numbers, and to, and the fact that those are part of his regular season numbers, which means all the other games he had must have been that much better, he does not play well against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has had the Islanders number all season. So you got to be concerned with that if you're an Islanders fan. I have it going six as well because I just think they're going to stifle them. And I actually know which games I think they're going to stifle them. I think it'll be game three that the Islanders win, the first game at home. And then game five when Pittsburgh has a chance to clinch. Mm-hmm. Those are the that. two games that I think the Islanders will be able to pip a win. Ryan said maybe game one, but I, I think Pittsburgh comes out big in game one at home. Yeah. Anyways. You're right on that Varlamov thing because Thomas Grice is the one that started two years ago and he's no longer with the with the Isles. So that's a huge... It's not a huge I, I would have taken Varlamov over Grice, but... But, I mean, Grice stood on his head two years ago, I which, Fair enough. which Fair is something enough. that Varlamov still hasn't shown us that he can do in an Islanders uniform. Fair enough. Understood. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the other one in Earth One. This is your boys. Uh, Boston are taking on TJ's boys, Washington. Uh, so a little little inter-network uh, rivalry going on here. <laughs> uh, I'll let you start, but uh, what are you seeing from the big bad Bruins, my friend? Uh, this series goes to seven. Um, like I said, I know in our episode that got canceled last week. but um, <laughs> Not canceled, technical difficulties. Technical difficulties, sorry. Um, but I think Zidane Ochera is going to score a goal that's going to come off of uh, Charlie Charlie McAvoy or something, and that's going to change the momentum of the series, and that's what's going to break my heart. Um, Low-key going to be cheering for Z, but at the same time, I'm going to be like, damn it, don't score. Please don't score. Um, it, it, this is going to be, I think this is going to be a very close series. Both teams retooled at the trade deadline. Um, Boston finally has a proper second line. They got a puck-moving defenseman in Riley. Um, Curtis Lazar slotted very well into the bottom six, um, and that's the de- that they really needed, especially with Charlie Coyle not having a great year. Um, but that 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 was a ridiculous line the other night when it was um, Sean Corrali, Jake DeBrusque, and, and Andre Kasha, which to me is just going to be a run-and-gun lineup that dishes big hits and, and has the speed to do it. So if that's the lineup, that's a very good thing for the Bruins. Um, you look at the the Caps, this team you know, added two players in Anthony Mantha, who, who's a bonafide goal scorer if he has the right tools around him and, and he does with backs from there um, and then Michael Raffle scored that winner with like one second left the other night um, so he's a threat so you know this is a very balanced series but there's guys in this on both sides that are massive game changers and 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 then I think the depth is going to play a huge role and and how the depth sort of finds a way to beat the other team's depth that's 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 what this series is going to be about Fair enough, uh, Kyle. What do you what do you think Washington is going to be in this series? We talked a little, or fun talked about Boston a little bit more. So, what do you think we're going to see from the Capitals? I think Washington's going to be healthy. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, they struggled down the stretch with with, with Ovechkin essentially missing the last five or six games. Um, missing. Carlson missing, yeah, Carlson missing, you know, two or three, 
and that kind of stuff. But but they'll be healthy going into the playoffs. So that's the biggest key for them. Um, to me, to me, I look at a guy like Mantha and how does he step up in the playoffs and and what does he bring to that Washington Capitals team? Yes, obviously you're going to have the Ovechkin, Ovechkin scoring line and all that kind of stuff. He's going to score. Doesn't matter what Boston does, he's going to score. Um, but who 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 who's next is the big big question. Yeah. So um, to, to me, that's what I look forward to Washington. I, I think this ultimately comes down to which goalie steps up. You know. Does does Rask step up and like he has in the past, potentially? But he also looked terrible in the last couple of games. So how healthy is Rask? Uh, is the other question. That's the other question. And and if if Rask isn't fully healthy, do you trust do you trust Swayman? Swayman had a fantastic year. He had like a sub two goals against average. But do you trust him in the playoffs? That's the biggest question, right? So what about Vladder? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so to, to me, that, that, that's what the real question comes down to in this series. And um, ultimately, I do have Washington winning just because I think, um, I think they currently are the better team, you know, the better put together team. I like their defense a little bit more comparatively as well. Um, but at the same point, I have it going seven. So I 100% could see Boston flipping this game in game seven as well. So. Yeah, uh, could go both ways, but I ultimately think Washington pulls it out, in my opinion. Fair enough. So. Um, Irfan, I want to ask you a question. Um, mm. Who is the backup behind Rask? Um, we're assuming Rask is healthy and he's the number one, which we might it might not be true. But as of right now, Rask is number one. Yeah. Who's the backup going into the playoffs? Is it Jeremy Swayman or is it Yarrow Halak? Would you want <laughs> experience or the way they played this year as your backup? I think it can go either way. It's a coin toss here, but personally, I would say Yarrow Halak just because he's been in this position before when uh, when Tuco's out last year in the playoffs. Um, Yarrow stepped in and, and, and did admirably, obviously. You know, when you play a juggernaut like Tampa Bay, you're going to struggle, but um, I think he'll start as a backup just because they they might have, you know, their 1-1-B one one or 1-A-1-B, whatever they want to call it, ready to go. Um, but if Yarrow comes in and doesn't play well, then you can easily see Swayman, who is the future of the goaltending in Boston. Um, you know, like Kyle said, sub two goals against average. Dan Vladder, you know, wasn't poor. He just didn't have defense in front of him. This was prior was to their acquisition. I was just kidding about Vladder. Don't no, no, no. But I'm just <laughs> saying, like, to defend him. <laughs> no, no, but, but like, no, but like, it, you know, they, like Swayman's played well and he's stolen games and Vladder just hasn't been able to do that. But no, I would say Yarrow personally should start. Um, but if you're going based on season, then it has to be Swayman just because of how he's he's played well against Washington this year. He's he's able to keep the puck out, and obviously Ovi's gonna <laughs> score a rocket from his from his home on that on the right wing or or on the left wing. Sorry. So uh, if you can just have that go in and nothing else, I think you're fine. But um, yeah, it's a toss up. Really, it depends on what uh, Cassidy's really feeling. So I don't really answer your question there, but it really comes down to what Cassidy's feeling, and he's he's. He's leaned towards experience in the playoffs, um, but we'll see what he does for this playoffs. Yeah, fair enough. Um, one thing I'm a little worried about for Washington is, are they going to get any secondary scoring? As you said, Kyle, like, where is it coming from? You, you, you can talk about Ovechkin. He's going to score. You can talk about Oshie. I'm pretty sure he's been he's been pretty much penciled in to score. Backstrom is on the line with Ovechkin, so he'll get points. Uh, and even, like, I'll give credit to Wilson he can put points in. I'm not really sure who else is going to score. Like Kuznetsov, maybe Eller, maybe Shiri, maybe like they're question marks in my head. Mm. Outside of that top line, 
I, I'm not sold on anybody. And when your second highest scoring defenseman is Justin Schultz, by a wide margin, might I add, there's some question marks there. So unless they get outstanding goaltending in all seven games, I think Boston takes this. Now, I think Boston takes it in seven. I still think it's going to be a very tight series, and it's going to be one of the most entertaining series to watch. But let's just make it very clear, like, if Washington can't get any secondary scoring, this game, this series could be over in four or five. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about Boston not getting <laughs> secondary scoring. Yeah, but I trust Tuka Rask more than I trust the Washington goaltending duo right now, just because well, of experience. Yeah. I think the biggest thing comes down to who is going to score for Boston, other than the perfect line. If that perfect line doesn't show up, who's next? Like Fair. sometimes, yeah. sometimes Krejci steps up, but at the same point. I don't even know what their third, fourth lines are. I couldn't tell you who the hell is on that line. Fair enough. Let's flip over to the West. We'll go east to west. And uh, one versus four is Colorado facing the suddenly surging St. Louis Blues, although Colorado's been pretty hot lately too, securing a President's Trophy and everything. Um, Is this even a close series? Like, I know people have St. Louis coming in hot and I get that they they're going to win a few games but or they might win a couple games. But is it really that close of a series or fun? I don't think so. Um I think, you know, St. Louis, yeah, they have a they have a little swag on their shoulder because they they won the Stanley Cup 2 years ago whatnot, but they're they're not the same team that won the cup. Um they're a little bit older. They're a little bit slower. Um Jordan Bennington hasn't blown me away this year. Uh, he hasn't stolen massive games when he needs to steal them for you, especially when when you have a guy who 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 won you a Stanley Cup, I guess. Um, they've been playing stole well down- a Stanley Cup. Let's be honest, he stole yeah. that cup. Um, like down the stretch, they they were probably good, but again, when you're in competition with Arizona, LA, San Jose, and the Ducks, it, sorry, but that's not really anything to be proud of because those teams aren't the best in that division unfortunately um what's important is how you stack a, up against mini apparently who's been our surprising team this year uh vegas and colorado right so um i think the abs will win this one um obviously st louis is going to play them physical but uh, this abs team is so fast that you know ryan o'reilly will go in for a hit and he'll miss them that's that's how fast i think this abs team is um it's not as close as anyone says. They're both going in hot, if you, if you want to call it that. But uh, I have so much faith in, in this Colorado team. Even with David Dubnik in that, I still think they're a better squad. So, um, abs, in, abs in five is what I said. So, gentlemen sweep. Yeah. Um, Kyle, what, what about you? What are your thoughts on this one? Is it really close? I think it's a lot closer of a series than people think, um, purely based on momentum, I think. Uh Colorado, yes, did win the President's Trophy, 100%. I'm not going to knock them on that. But St. Louis has been riding high and and, and coming in hot into the playoffs. So um, the biggest thing comes down to is goaltending. And it's if, if Bennington shows up, this series goes six or seven. If he doesn't show up, it's probably done in five, maybe six. And, and I think that's the case. Uh, I, th- I think especially with Tarasenko is now – finally rounding into form after a very long and arduous journey uneventful regular season essentially is what it was um i i think i think colorado definitely um i I do have colorado winning this i have them winning in six 
Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if this game, this goes seven and St. Louis is pushing to the edge. So um, I, I don't think any series other than that Carolina series in this playoffs is a cakewalk by any means. Um, I think that's to me, the only one that truly stands out as a huge mismatch um, just because I don't trust Nashville and anything to do, at least with St. Louis, they've been there before they have the playoff experience. They have the depth. They're not going to be a pushover. That's the biggest thing. So, and those those not pushover teams are the teams that sneak out games or or, or sneak mm. out wins and that kind of stuff, right? So, so it, very similar to like not really comparing them, but St. Louis and like the Islanders. The Islanders are not a pushover team. They will win their games, but they're not going to win it fancy. They're not going to win six nothing or anything like that, right? Colorado could win a couple of these games five two or whatever like that, but then St. Louis comes back the next night and wins two one in, in a gritty like hard hard fought <laughs> game. So. To me, I think people aren't really giving St. Louis the credit that they kind of deserve in this aspect um, with the type of team they are. Um, but ultimately, I do think Colorado pulls it out. Do you think it's not they're not giving St. Louis – it's not that they're not giving St. Louis any credit for the type of team that they are, or they're just giving Colorado a lot of credit for what they did this season. Like, I'm going to read a random stat – or. A, Ridiculous stat, I should say, not a random. 25 players played 10 games or more for Colorado this year. 25. That's your number here, boys. How many of them had a negative plus minus? Just throw a, throw a number out there. There's 25 total players played 10 or more games. Three. Six. Irfan, you're right. It's three. Hmm. Three players. And one of them was Nazem Kadri, who played every single game. But he's also going up against top lines every game as the as the number two. That's that's a pretty interesting stat, and I know plus minus you need to take that into consideration. But they also had one of the top, or they had the top goals for Colorado. They were number one in shots against per game. They were seventh in power play and seventh in penalty kill. So they're in the top of every, near the top of every category, basically. Grubauer has looked phenomenal when he's been playing. Let's make that very clear because he has had some injury woes. And they've gotten secondary scoring, which we're not used to seeing from Colorado. Usually it's that top line. They now have secondary scoring and a lot of it. They had nine players with 30 or more points. They had two more with 20 or more points. And that's only because JT Comfer missed about eight games and he was two points shy. Yost missed about missed two games. He was at 17. They have the depth scoring. So is it people not giving St. Louis credit, Kyle, or is it people giving Colorado a lot of credit? I think it's still... I, I get Colorado has, has built a better team, but I think the biggest thing is they just look at the point differential and don't give don't give St. Louis a, a credible threat to Colorado. Sure. Um, the biggest thing is we, we went over this a little bit last night in the podcast, but um, TJ doesn't trust Colorado to win in the playoffs until they actually win in the playoffs. So, um, cause they, they have not really shown up in, in the years they've had great teams like they have in the last couple of years. They haven't shown up in the playoffs. I mean, they kind of did show up in the playoffs last year. They just were on their third string goalie by the end of the first series. Sure. But <laughs> let's let's give them a little credit there. They did show up, and they ended up losing to Minnesota in Game Seven with Hutchison as their goaltender. Yeah, hundred percent. But Minnesota, I, I I still agree. Until we see them do something, 
Right. I'm just I'm just saying like you have to give them some credit for last year despite that. Yes, I agree with with what you're saying until they do it. They haven't done it yet. Yep. So I it, it will be interesting. I have Colorado in 6. I'm not I'm not going as 5 just because as you said Kyle until they prove it. They don't they haven't proved it. Mm-hmm. So it, it will be interesting though. Let's move to the Vegas Minnesota series and this one is going to be a great series. Minnesota is one of the few teams that have played Vegas well this year. They've actually won five games, and two of their three losses were in overtime. They got blown out in their one regulation loss and somehow have a negative goal differential against Vegas. But, man, Minnesota plays them well. Is this a concern? If you're, You know Colorado was thinking the same thing, trying to win that President's Trophy, eh, Airfond? They were like, I do not want to play Minnesota. I would much rather play St. Louis. I'll deal with St. Louis. You do yeah. not want to play Minnesota first round. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, that, that was the thing uh, last week before the, the final um, standings were confirmed. But Vegas did not want to see Mindy. They would have preferred to play a heavy game against St. Louis. And actually, they would have single-handedly beaten much easier than I think Colorado might have that series, even though I have it at five. But um, this is a closer series than 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 anyone's going to say. Um, but Mindy's just turned it on. Like, I mean, Bill Billy Guerin made a bunch of massive changes this past off season and, and we questioned them, but they've worked out. Their youngsters have worked out the, the combination. Again, I'm going to say this for another team, their veteran presence is still very important, but you know, you lose your captain and you're still able to come out with a very good team and still get decent goaltending to get you where you are. And when you play, you know, a juggernaut, the way minis played with Vegas this year, that is something that's fantastic. So, um, I have this game going to six because I do think that experience of Vegas will finally kick in and they'll wake up and um, they have two bonafide goals, uh, goaltenders. So it doesn't matter who they start with. They're both very good goalies. Um, So I do think Vegas pulls out, but this is going to be a very up-tempo sort of game where, you know, Vegas is seen to roll out four lines very well and consistently well. And, and then Mini just plays that up top no game, which they're going to, it's very responsible, but it's very, um, it's very quick. It's very in your face. So um, I might go to seven, but I'm going to go six Vegas because I think that experience from the last couple of years is going to pull them through. But man, this is going to be a fun series. Fair enough. Kyle, uh, Irfan talked about the goaltending situation in Vegas. I want you to jump on this. Who is the starting goalie? For Vegas in the playoffs and how important will that play be for this team do you think they need the top elite starting goaltender or can they get just good goaltending and get through this series um it's flurry to start it's not even a question um and I, I think I think the biggest thing is yes they do need good goaltending I don't know if they need elite goaltending against uh, Minnesota because I don't know what goaltending Minnesota is going to get I think that's the biggest question that's um, the next that was my next question who's starting a net for minnesota <laughs> i don't even know i don't know if it's kakinen i don't know if it's uh talbot i don't i don't i honestly could not tell you so um to me i think that's the biggest biggest question for them is who ends up playing in net there i think vegas is depth and and their goaltending ultimately gets it done i do have the i do have this going to seven just because minnesota is that pesky team um who I think out of Colorado and Vegas, nobody wanted to play in Minnesota just because not a chance. Just, just because like Minnesota did well during the regular season, but it was like one of those like they're a team who can surprise potentially in the playoffs. So so I think that's 
Um, I think that's Minnesota that has, you know, Minnesota has kind of the momentum a little bit in a way because they didn't want to play him in, in the series. So um, we'll see what happens with that. But to me, I don't even know who's going to start for Minnesota. And, and honestly, Minnesota kind of uh, faltered down the stretch playing against St. Louis too. Well, they were playing a team that was trying to fight for a playoff spot. Like, let's let's take sure. that into account. Minnesota was already guaranteed a spot. St. Louis was not. St. Louis was fighting every game to try to get into the playoffs. So, I don't fault Minnesota down the stretch that way. Yeah, sure. But when it's four games in a row, it's a different story. Um, it, it, it kind of, yes, I get, like, the last few games where you're already set and, like, you're not going to move anywhere but you lost four in a row and you would have had a chance to potentially compete for that second spot if they won three of those games. Fair enough. I understand. And, and, and could have potentially, you know, Minnesota gets home advantage in the playoffs or not in the playoffs, but at least in the first round. First round, yeah. Could have, could have potentially be something they wanted to do, but, you know, ultimately losing to St. Louis didn't really work out that way, right? So, um, to, to me, that's that's one where I, I think they uh, – don't really have any very much momentum going into the playoffs um it does minnesota as much but at the same point they don't want to play yeah, vegas doesn't want to play him anyways so it's yeah. kind of a hit and miss i guess in that aspect if you're minnesota though you're super excited that it wasn't colorado that you're playing in the first round because colorado has had minnesota's number this year winning five games mm-hmm. out of the eight whereas they've won five out of eight against Vegas, like yep. much, much preferred playing in Vegas, apparently, does Minnesota. Um, I have it going seven as well. I'm with you, Kyle. I think Vegas pulls it out in seven, but this is going to be a absolute grind. I've said this for a, like a month and a half now. Whoever wins the West Division is my pick to win the Cup because I just think they're so good. As long as they don't beat the crap out of each other, Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of injuries coming out of this division. Whoever wins the West Division is the best team and will probably win the Cup. So if the Blues come out of this, they're going to win the Cup? Yeah, because they would have had to prove in themselves against Colorado and Vegas or Mini, who I okay. think will test them more than, no offense, I think they're better teams than Toronto 1 through 20. Minnesota? No. Colorado and Vegas. Oh, I was going to say that cap. (laughs) But if Minnesota beats Vegas and plays St. Louis in the second round, that means Minnesota beat a team that I think is better than Toronto and then St. Louis beat them. So, like, they've been tested in different ways than a Toronto team or a Edmonton or Carolina will test them. I mean, that's just called playoff hockey. Anything can happen at any time. No, I know. I I know. I know. And I get that. I'm just saying, I think this division will test each other more than the other divisions. So whoever comes out will be more battle ready than than the other divisions. And that's why I have the winner of this division winning the Stanley Cup. I'm not going to say who I have winning this division right now, but it's fine. I think we already know who you have winning the division. And that's why I'm not saying it. We're going to go to the North now. (laughs) And let's, let's... Get right to it. Montreal, Toronto, first time since 1979 that these two teams have played in the playoffs against each other after playing in the playoffs against each other multiple times before that. Thank God for the original six. (laughs) This is going to be fun. And I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than a lot of people want it to be in Toronto. And it all comes down to how good Carey Price plays. Right, Kyle? I mean, 
yeah, he's their only savior. They're, they have nothing else going for him, so that's pretty much the only thing they have going for him at this point. They can't score. Is <laughs> ever since Gallagher went out, they forgot how to score the, you know, put the puck in the back of the net. So Toffoli had a great year. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's I'm not trusting Toffoli to put in two a night for no. five games. So no. um, they, that's that's. If the it was Vancouver, problem. yes. Sure, sure, yes. And everybody's like, oh, don't. What about Cole Caulfield? I'm like, Cole Caulfield has never played playoff hockey. And it's a little bit different. Well, he's never played NHL playoff hockey. Yeah. Well, even NCAA playoff hockey is not the same comparatively. So um, it's one of those, like, they, they, they don't hit like the NHL. I'm not NCAA, saying it's the same. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he so just so came from playoff hockey, though. Sure. And his team got knocked out. So uh, you know, there's that. But <laughs> <Felt it>. um, <laughs> um, so it's one of those, like, I think this will be a fun series just because it's Montreal, Toronto, but this is a five game series. And I, the only reason I can see them winning a game is because of carry price. If it's Jake Allen or if it's Primo, if price truly isn't healthy because it's, it's concussion, he could literally get one shot off the head and he's out the rest of the series. So um, if it's, if it's Allen or Primo, I, d- I don't trust Montreal to win the games in, in reality. So um, I, I, I think this will be a fun series. It'll be it'll be chippy. It'll be that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I think I think the skill for the Leafs throughout the lineup will ultimately just put, put them over the edge. Erfan, so. I'm going to pose a question to you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get, read out two sets of stats and tell me which one you would rather have. These are against Toronto this year. Okay. Okay. Would you rather have the goalie with an 868 save percentage and a 348 goals against average in net, or would you rather have the goalie with the 907 save percentage and the 266 goals against average in net against Toronto? Well, obviously the guy with the better stats, but isn't that Jake Allen? That's Jake Allen. Yeah. That's my point. I'm not as worried about going to Jake Allen as Kyle seems to be. I'm not saying he's the saving but it's grace. Play- See, the thing it's, is, it's but I'm not saying he's hockey, saving grace. Right? It's playoff hockey. It's going to be the opposite. I think if, if Jake Allen goes in net, it might backfire on the on the haps that's, i'm not saying the they start him but i'm saying if price gets hurt like and you throw jake allen in it's not like the end of the world is what i'm saying no but it, it changes the the approach i guess montreal takes i i think the leafs win this series and and they win it fairly comfortably in my opinion the biggest thing though for them is to stay healthy and not get hurt in the series because i think montreal is going to take runs at a lot of their players um, you can have Corey Perry <laughs> in your ear. You can have Shea Weber, Josh Anderson. If Brendan Gallagher is healthy, he'll be there in your in your face. They have enough players to sort of maybe not intentionally injure the Leafs, but enough to to bang up the Leafs. And 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 I think if if Toronto wants to stay healthy and get out of the North Division, just be careful. Uh, I think they're a better team by far. D- doesn't matter who's in net for the Leafs. Um, they have enough. They're well rounded this year, in my opinion. So. Um, Get out healthy is the biggest thing for the Leafs. I have the Leafs in six. I want to make that very clear. I'm not. So do I. I. I'm not going off on a limb and saying that they're losing the series. But no, Price is going to steal a game or two because that's who Carey Price is. But it's going to the rest of the games. It's just going to be Toronto trying to steamroll, and that's what's going to happen. If Vesna Price comes out, this could go to seven. Yes, but it would. You would need scores for Montreal. But then who scores for Montreal? Doesn't matter. You're winning games one nothing. Yeah, but. All right, I guess. Tyler I don't think though. I just don't. It, it, first of all, it does because somebody has to score for Montreal to win. That's one. the thing. I know, but it's the Leafs. They give up at least a goal a game. 
With Anderson in that. With anybody in that. It's, it's Campbell's show to start for the first series. How many shutouts did Campbell have this year, Kyle? I don't really care how many he has, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, the Leafs just give up a goal. I'm not saying they give up a lot of goals, but they give up a goal. So if Price can stand on his head and not give up a single goal, I have faith that Montreal can put one past Toronto just because Toronto can't get shutouts. That's all I'm saying. If, if Price stands on his head, I'll be over the series because he's going to get another concussion. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> Do you oh, sorry. think? Sorry, I made a nickism there. My apology. Okay. I, um, I would never say that. Hold on. You make jokes like that all the time. What are you talking? No. About? I'm not that bad. Please back me up here. Um, I'm just gonna move on before we start a <laughs> argument. I guess my question to you guys is: it, if since Montreal last year, you know they were the 12th seed and they beat Pittsburgh in in the playoffs, and they 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 played very well last year. Does that happen again this year? Um, the difference is, I guess, there's Josh. Don't Anderson ask Toronto versus... fans this, okay? <laughs> no, but like Josh Anderson versus Ty, uh, not Ty Domi, Max Domi is the is is basically that massive trade in the in the off season. But other than that, it could that repeat itself, guys? I don't know. Like, I I mean, different coach. Yeah. So so wait wait what what what's 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 the question? Could Montreal repeat and upset Toronto like they did Pittsburgh last year? No, because Montreal Montreal doesn't have the defensive prowess like like columbus did against the leafs columbus was defensive first team and has the defensive prowess to, to hold up defensively yeah montreal is not even close to having that yeah. on the defensive end so so to me you know would, would i give price the edge over you know Merz lincoln's and and corpus sure 100 percent. but that's if we're getting prime price which we have not seen in a long time right now and he's coming off injury yeah. So, mm-hmm. so the biggest thing is like, is like, oh yeah, we get Vesna Price. It's like Vesna Price hasn't been around for a little while. I so mean, I'm... he was he kind of played last playoff. So in that Pittsburgh series, I would say Price was at the best we've seen him in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. Sure. But he was pretty good yeah. last year in the playoffs, no, but I'm that not, was a I'm short not, yeah. sample size. Yeah, exactly. And and the biggest thing is like, if it's Vesna Price, sure. But to me, it'd be Vesna Price for a game, maybe two. And even then, I, I think the Leafs' firepower still could potentially win a game. Like, yeah. as, as, as Nick said, you know, Montreal can win a game one nothing, but the Leafs could win a game one nothing or 2-1 or whatever like that. <laughs> the Leafs too. could win a game 8 nothing though. That's yeah. the difference. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, to me, you know, even Vesna Price will still still potentially give up one or two. Yeah. And if the Leafs can win one or two nothing, you know, then that's a different story. I, mm-hmm. I the, the biggest, the biggest thing to me is is who scores for Montreal. I, yeah. I, I don't. No, for sure. You know, you know, Toffoli will put some in, hundred percent. He had a great year this year. But other than that, you know, do I trust Nick Suzuki in a, in a playoff spot? He uh, he looked good last year when he played. But yeah, what are we gonna get from him this year, right? That, that's what I mean. That's the biggest thing is they rely on a lot of young players. So we'll see how that goes. I have one more question on this series, and then we'll move on. Who starts game one? For Toronto, because this Campbell. is going to be the biggest... Uh, uh, let me finish. Campbell. Campbell. Is, was that the question? Or do you the question is the who's going to start game one, Irfan. Campbell. Okay. I think it's going to be Freddie. Not because he deserves it. Because I think Campbell has earned the right to, to start for the Leafs in game one. I think they go Freddie in game one, and hear me out, boys. And I said this on the 20 Minutes on Ice show that was released this morning, so you, neither of you have heard it, and I'm aware of that fact. So I get to say it again to you. If the Leafs believe Freddie is the answer to get them to a Stanley Cup 
to help raise the Stanley Cup. If they think he is the answer, you have to give him game one. Because you need to see, he's coming off injury. You need to see if he's able to this year. And if okay. he's not, you need to pull him immediately and put Jack Campbell in. So he's, he has a short leash. Is no, he's got the shortest of short leashes. But I think he starts game one because they need to see whether or not he's able to go this year. Fair. Right? I think Jack Campbell has earned the right to start game one. But I think Freddie might get to start because of that reason. They've put $5 million into this guy this year. And they've he's played half the season. And they, th- they thought he was going to be the guy to get them to the Stanley Cup and make a long run. Well, if that's the case, you need to prove whether or not he's the guy to get you to the Stanley Cup. And it's going to come in game one. Yeah, all that's right. The, that's the only reason that I, I'm confident Freddie will get the start. Does he deserve it? Absolutely not. Campbell has been the better goalie all season. So my only counterpoint to that would be, is if you do not start Campbell game one, you cannot go to Campbell anymore. Why? Surely because his confidence will be shot. if he's I, I, I don't believe that at all. But he carried the team. It's his, I know. His team. It's not Anderson's team anymore. And Anderson has to accept that fact. And I agree with that. I agree that it's Campbell's team. I don't, I don't and that's I don't why I'm not worried about bringing him in later because he is he is so in, ingrained in this team and his he's just the happy guy, happy to be able to play at this point. Don't forget, this guy was a first-round pick who has fought tooth and nail to get a chance in the NHL. He didn't really get it in L.A. He didn't get it in Dallas where he was drafted. Now he's here, and he's been given a chance. So Are you kidding me? If they, if they tell him that, hey... We're going to you in game two after they start Freddie. He will be over the moon and he'll be like, all right, I'm ready to go. His confidence will not be shot. He knows that's not the reason. It's not because of his play that they're not starting him game one. They're starting him game one strictly because of what I said, and he won't give a crap. The counterpoint to me would be is if, if he's not starting game one, the, the, it's going to be literally, oh, well, you don't believe in me as being number one goaltender. I still don't think that is, though, because Freddie came into the season as number one, and that's who they assumed was number one, so they're going to try to probably give him a chance. I think Campbell... I, this is a moot argument, because we're all in agreement that Campbell should start game one. Yeah. This is a useless argument. But I think Campbell's just one of those guys that he's so happy to be playing at the top level after everything that he went through. He doesn't care if he starts game one, and if they call on him at any time, he will happily throw his mask on, run to the crease, and stand on his head like he has this year. That's my opinion of Jack Campbell. I just think that's the person that he is, and that's why I don't I'm not worried about not starting him game one. He should start game one, and I agree with you guys. Hundred percent. There's no doubt in my mind. But see on Thursday what they decide. Yeah. We gotta wait till Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Six days off. Let's uh, quickly get into the other North Division matchup. Edmonton, Winnipeg, the battle of the number one player in the world against one of the top goaltenders in the world. Because let's be honest, outside of them, there's only one other player in this series that I'm even interested in watching, and that's Dreisaitl. What the heck happens? Kyle, let's start with you. What the heck happens? I actually have Winnipeg on this one. It's kind of against the grain in in this aspect, but... um purely because betting-wise, Edmonton is a huge favorite. Um, I don't understand that. but yeah, To, to me, it comes down to, can a one-man show, which all 
all respect to Dry Saddle, it's a one man show. It's a one um, and a half man show. It's a one man show. Um, <laughs> can that one man show carry a team past Winnipeg and in the next row? Um, I don't know because I, I think if Winnipeg is smart, they will load up everything and literally be, hey, stop McDavid, make other people beat us. You know, make Dry Saddle win Edmonton the series. And, and if you can do that, all the power to him. But we're not letting McDavid win the series. And I think that's, like, you know, obviously as a Leafs fan, the way we played Edmonton this year was we're taking McDavid out of the play, we're double teaming him and making somebody else beat us. And that's the biggest, biggest thing is it's the same as football, right? If you have a star running back, you load up the box and make the quarterback throw the ball in order yeah. to beat you in that game. And that's, it's the exact same thing with Edmonton. It's, you know, you, you stack the box, don't let McDavid do the thing, and, and you know, you let you let Nugent Hopkins or Dry Saddle or Yamamoto or whatever the hell it's gonna be, you know, take the take that driver's seat and, and try and win the series. And to me, I think Hellebuck's there and I think Hellebuck's gonna be great in the series. And I think, you know, that Wheeler Shifley, Ehlers is gonna be back for the playoffs too. So Winnipeg's getting a little bit more depth back in their scoring. Um, that to me is gonna swing the series. I have Winnipeg in six in this one. Okay. I have a question I'm going to pose quickly to both of you. We'll start with you, Irfan, when I get when I'm done. Who on Winnipeg is going to shut down Connor McDavid? All right, I mean, let's let's be honest. No one's going to shut him down. Who's going to limit Connor McDavid cuz that's all you can hope for at this point in time. I'm going to read off all of the names of every single defenseman who has played for Winnipeg this year. Tell me how many of them are top pairing defensemen or top two pairing defensemen, so top 4. Neil Pionk, Josh Morrissey, Derek Forbert, Dylan DeMello, Logan Stanley, Nathan Beaulieu, Tucker Poolman, Jordy Ben, Sammy Niku, and Vili Hainola. How many of those guys are top four defensemen, Nerfon? Maybe two. Maybe Kyle? Two, uh... Yeah, maybe two. Actually. Yeah, I think Pionk that's my is concern, really... is that they only have one top pairing. I'm not, don't I'm, not where, I'm not worried, I'm not worried about, about that, shutting. though. I, to, to me, it's Shifley. It comes down to Shifley for me. If Shifley and, and Wheeler can and can do something together... Mm-hmm. Sorry, Kyle, just uh, jump in on your point there. But if those two oh. can can hop on them, I, I think they can grind out this series and, and make it life very difficult. That's what you know Getzlaff and Perry did to McDavid in that Anaheim-Edmonton series a few years back where they put those two on them, or they put Kessler or something like that, but they put experienced players that just slew his game down and just make it, made him work a little bit more than I think he's had to work this entire season uh, to get those 104 points in 55 games, which is ridiculous. But um, I think you have two very good players that are going to, that are going to grind him out. And if that happens, then like Kyle said earlier, Leon Dreisaitl needs to get into that driver's seat and say, you know what? I'm going to take over and Come see if I can now l- let me, let me do this because like, are you really going to trust James Neal coming off your wing or, or um, Zach Cassian, if he's healthy, to do something for you? Or are you going to rely on your defense who scored most of your power play goals or at least some of your power play goals? Like, Is that what you're going to rely on, a special teams matchup? I don't know if Edmonton can can do the matchup, but that being said, I also have them winning in six because of the form that you know Winnipeg went into the last 10 games, last 15 games of the season, albeit they weren't healthy. But I'm, I am a little worried about... Um, are they going to have the legs to keep up um, just because of that health? Are they, are they burnt out? Are they, are they healthy enough to, to go toe to toe with, with just one player? Exactly. Just one player. Can you stop him? Can they contain 
quote-unquote contain him. Um, that still remains to be seen and whether that's Connor Hellebuck needing to steal four games for you, I don't know. Um, but until I see someone stop Connor McDavid, I don't, I don't, I can't go against him. First off, the other, the other thing is, you know, who, which, which Mike Smith are we going to get? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing. <laughs> yep. You know, cause it's sure shit ain't going to be costing into the net. It's going to be Mike. Smith. God, no, if it is, we're in trouble. If it is, no, Edmonton's in trouble. We're in trouble. Why did I say we're in trouble? Um, And it is in trouble. If that's the case, then, you know, Edmonton has a whole different thing coming and they got to, you know, smarten up and figure out what they're going to do. Because, you know, I I wouldn't say Edmonton's a defensive team by any means. All their defensive are essentially offensive defensemen. Mm. They're better defensively than Winnipeg, but that's not saying a whole lot. Uh, yeah, like it's, <laughs> that's the sad point. There, that's not saying a whole lot. Yeah, it's, it's not saying much. So, so to me, the biggest thing is like, which Mike Smith do we get? Is Hellebuck going to steal some games? Sure, but I think there's also a chance that Winnipeg puts three or four in the back of the net against Mike Smith because of, of Edmonton defensively. And, and Earth on the, to the to your point is like, I look at what Shifley has to do with McDavid, very similar to what Ryan O'Reilly has to do with McKinnon type thing, where it's going to be. It's not necessarily going to be the defense that's going to shut him down. It's going to be that opposing center that's going to just pester him and piss him off and make him, you know, maybe it's maybe he, they piss off McDavid and he takes one of those cross-checking penalties where he just turns around and cross-checks the guy. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Winnipeg's got a power play now. And Shifley doesn't give a yeah. shit because he just skates off the ice or he goes right into the power play. He goes right on the power play. What are you talking about? <laughs> so so it's one of those, like, like to me, I look at that type of matchup compared to a straight defensive matchup. I think, yeah. you know, that pestering forward, and, and you know, honestly, it could be Ehlers. Like you look at Ehlers and, and Thornton, and at the end of the year, like where they had their whole thing uh, going back and forth, right? I can see Ehlers doing that with with Drysaddle or with somebody else like that. You know, leave McDavid to Shifley, but I, Ehlers goes after the next best mm-hmm. guy and tries to take him off his game too. So it's like yeah. I, that's where I think Winnipeg might have the edge, just based on um, like nastiness. I guess is what you could call it. Is yeah. is, is they have the the the, the pissed off guys that that just everybody doesn't want to play against and they get pissed off when they're, when they're on the ice. So <laughs> to, to me, that's why I got Winnipeg in this one. So. Yeah. And I think you're right in the sense that, um, you know, you got Shifley, who's a 200 foot player, who's going to get on McDavid, but he can also score. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, a lot of the Edmonton players don't have that ability to do either. They're very good defensively or, you know, they're just offensive minded and they don't have that, that sort of full game. So yeah, yeah no, I can see it. It's very similar to, I don't know if you guys remember this, but that Jonathan Taves, uh, Chicago Detroit series a few years back when he was in the box where Brent Seabrook had to go calm him down because Zetterberg and Datsuk and whoever was on him was doing the exact same thing. So potentially if you're going to throw out a number one player um, or the leader on a team, that's probably the best way to do it. And, and then that, that might be the recipe for Winnipeg if they get through this round and to the next round and to the next round after that is just getting on players. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I agree with what you guys are saying and I'm not, I'm not denying the, the legitimacy of what you're saying. Um, you want to you want to hear some fun stats? Let's talk about the goaltenders head to head against each uh, against these teams this year. I'm going to read two stat lines. You're going to tell me the two goaltender names, okay? Why do you know Mike Smith started his head against Winnipeg? Just let me read the two stat lines and then we'll we'll, we'll talk. Nine thirteen save percentage, two sixty two goals against. Eight seventy seven save percentage, three ninety six goals against. Who are the two goalies? I already know Mike Smith is the first one. It's not. Is it Bursois? Is no. the first one? Nope. That's definitely not Koskinen. It's Koskinen. Yeah, right. 
Koskinen against the Jets looked very good. That was the only team that he could play well against, mm. but he looked very good against the Jets. The second one's Hellebuck. Hellebuck has struggled against the Oilers, and that's kind of that was kind of my point. Smith's numbers are actually better against the Jets than Koskinen's, but Edmonton has the Jets' number. They have figured it out all year. They won seven of nine meetings. Seven yes. of nine meetings. That's partly why I picked them in six, just because the last six games or something like that was, or last five games was just outplaying them, right? Yeah. And that's, but again, that was also down the stretch when they weren't healthy. So maybe playoff hockey is different, but yeah. sorry, back to your point. No, that's um, my point is that I just think Edmonton has it figured out against the Jets. I don't think anyone is really going to be able to contain McDavid enough. And if Shifley's entire game plan is to try to limit McDavid, he's not going to be playing offensive hockey, which means where how much depth scoring is going to come into play. I would much rather have Dreisaitl as the number two line trying to score than the number two line of the Jets right now, in my personal opinion. that's That might just be me, and that's fine, but I would say if you take Shifley out of the offensive game plan for Winnipeg, you lose a lot more than if you take McDavid out of the offensive game plan for Edmonton because you have Dreisaitl on the second line. Yeah, but what but what would you say if, if Pierre-Luc Dubois fit in very nicely with uh, Paul He's Stassi a winger, and- though. He's a winger, though. I'm saying straight up center. If you're t- trying to eliminate centers, Dubois, I'm still not convinced has fitted in Winnipeg, by the way. That's a personal thing as well. But, mm. but you know, playoff hockey, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, a little playoff bit hockey. I love that. Pl- we're, gonna, uh, we're now using playoff Pierre. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've traded him up from upgraded him this season. Um, if he, if he has anything of his grit that he had for no. Columbus, that, that might be a very good matchup, dry saddle sure. against Dubois. For sure. And and that's something to watch out for. But again, I would much rather Edmonton. And that's why I have Edmonton in seven. I think this is going to be a good series. It's going to be a long series. But I'm taking Edmonton just because I think they've had Winnipeg's number all season. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to carry over into the playoffs. Boys, we did it. Eight matchups. It's been a long show. Quickly, let's get your final thoughts. Let's get the folks out of here so that they come back and listen to us next week as well. Irfan, <laughs> we'll start with you. Uh, a little news from your Green Bay Packers. They signed another quarterback with Blake Bortles. I don't know why they're doing what they're doing, but again... Because um, they believe- don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to play. They need they need at least one more quarterback in the room. But I think uh, the Packers just you know, shitting the fan right now, to be honest with you. what are, What's going on? What's the future of this organization there? They're sort of... Um, struggling that's what the fish is struggling i'm trying to be nice um but <laughs> it's fine say it it's it's all good they they are potentially losing one of the best quarterbacks in franchise history potentially um so let's fix and, that and, but NFL blake, history <laughs> nfl history but like blake bortles may or may not be may not be the answer as well no he will not be the answer <laughs> he is but, he is honestly blake bortles is going into that quarterback room to be a body in that quarterback room he Probably. might actually start because I don't know if they're set on Jordan Love starting yet. There's so many issues going on right now in that quarterback room that Blake Bortles is coming in as a, a living human being, breathing human being. That's all he's there for. Yeah. That's it. But That's it. I just, uh, just questioning and a little head scratch. Uh, it's not head scratching. I know exactly what they're doing and it's not good. That's no. all it is. <laughs> they're trying to save, have a plan B in case he walks basically. But, in case he sits, he can't walk. But um, well, sits, walks, doesn't play. Um, Kyle, your final thought. Please don't aim it at me again. Uh, final thought. 
Raptors missed the playoffs for the first time in seven years. Um, breaks the uh, longest NBA streak um, of seven years in a row of making the playoffs. So, um, and to be honest, it could be another couple of years till they do make the playoffs. So, um, as long as that play-in series is there, you never know. But we'll oh, see it's a one and one. done. It's not. It's not coming back next year. I'm fairly confident with that. So, um, to me, I think I think Toronto is in for a very interesting offseason and how they overhaul that team and get them back to a winning ways. You know, I like some of the additions they had with uh, with Gary Trent Jr. And, and that kind of stuff. Malachi Flynn has looked great. Ken Birch even was a was a nice pickup as well. Exactly. So, to, to me, I think that there are a couple of pieces they need to to plug and play and. Um, get them back into that playoff realm, but uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, what they do in the offseason. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they're that far away. I think they're one or two pieces and health away. Because mm-hmm. let's not forget how many games were missed this year. I think the Raptors had the most injuries out of any team in the NBA, or, or they were in the top five at least. Yep. That plays a huge factor. If this team's healthy, this team is probably a playoff team. They were not healthy at all this season. Yep. Now, I'm not saying a high playoff team. I'm saying a playoff team. <laughs> That's not saying much. Um, so, yeah, it, it will be interesting. You're right. Uh, my final thought is also basketball-related. Boys, WNBA started last night. I thoroughly enjoyed that first game with the Liberty and the Fever. It was phenomenal. So much fun to watch. INSQ with the game-winning buzzer Brilliant. beater. And then Tarassi with a, a game-winner at the end of the game, too. For, yeah, when the um, clock stopped. The and Mercury. Uh, for the yeah, sim- what, yeah, what is that? The clock stopped everywhere, and then so they had to pull out a stopwatch and, and, and sort and time of time it from that. when it stopped. But it's still good. It was like a second left that that shot came off. So, yeah. so they actually uh, gave, she actually gave the other team a chance. With that shot, like she needed to hold on to it for another half second, basically. But Kia Nurse had a great game yeah, as well, um, uh, especially getting traded. But she was driving the net very, very well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, WNBA's back. Haley's happy. We're happy. Haley's ecstatic. Yeah, if you need any um, WNBA news, notes, game updates, look to Haley. Haley McGoldrick, Goldie on Sports on Twitter, because it's phenomenal coverage. We tweeted about her. I tweeted about her personally. Her article about five storylines to watch was incredible. Just solid work. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun season. And there's a lot of talent that we have not seen in the WNBA. Like young players. Ionescu, who played two and a half games last season. She showed out in her first game. If she can get her shooting legs under her, because she didn't in the first half. Once she gets her shooting legs under her, she is going to be a dominant force in the WNBA like no doubt about it some of the passes that she makes are just ridiculous (laughs) Uh, but yeah enjoy the WNBA folks it's finally back that'll do it for us here at Garage Door Sports thank you for sticking with us through this very very extended show we have to do playoff preview though we have to Um, we will be back next week to talk a little more hockey I'm sure probably do a little bit NBA as well going into the play-in rounds and we'll have more sports to talk about obviously we'll have champions league women's champions league winner we'll we'll be done by then right Irfan? yes yes it will <laughs> yes <laughs> yes it will yes, you will. <laughs> 
So we will bring you all of that and more next week. If you're looking for more content from us, check out garagedoorsports.com or follow us on Twitter at garagedoorsport, on Instagram at garagedoorsports. If you're looking for us individually, it's at Nick McVicker, at Kyle Vardy, and at Irfan Manji on Twitter and Instagram, respectively. We will be back next week for more. And until then, thank you for listening, and we'll see you then. 